Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who who comes and who goes. Uh, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. And now's the time, you know, for us to do our work. It's now's the time as an organization. And, um, you know, players that are, you know, 24, 25 years old, now's the time to seize the moment of greatness. Yeah, I mean, that's my obligation as the head coach is to coach the football team. You know, I got, you know, a lot of guys that I got to coach and get ready to go. And so that's that's how I got to deal with that. And that's my mindset. Um, I'm really pleased with Zach and those guys and, and Evan and Dion. I mean, and, uh, and, and, and Xavier. I mean, all those guys are coming together. Uh, they're, they're all doing a really nice job. Oh, what's going on? I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. 93.5, the fan. Good Lord, Jimmy. What in the world is going on with the Colts? Like To put this in perspective here, Jimmy, as Aerosmith is just <laughs> blasting. Good Lord, Steven Tyler, cut it down there, man. <laughs> he's hyped on a Monday. He's ready to go. He's, ready. he's out of the gate strong over there. Um, yeah. Uh, this sounds like uh, hyperbole, Jimmy, but follow me on this one. The cold situation with Jonathan Taylor is actually worse than Luis Severino giving up six <laughs> runs last night without recording an out. Like, think about it. It's one of 162. That's a shrug your shoulders, and it was awful. This cold situation with Jonathan Taylor is way worse. It just keeps getting worse by the day. Well, so the vacation was good. Um, great to be back. And uh, thank thank you for reminding me about Sevy's disastrous performance uh, to open the show. But uh, where'd, you, where'd you go? Did you go to Greece with Paul George and Pat Bev? Is that where you were? I at? wish. That sounds like a great time. No, I was in, I was in Hilton Head for, for a week with my wife and her family. It was a great time. But uh, to Jonathan Taylor and the Severino analogy you just drew up there, yeah, it's worse because stuff keeps leaking out day after day after day on this. And now it is... The exact thing you don't want when running a front office, which is a war in-house that is not happening in-house. It's happening in the press, in the media, on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling that nowadays. It's madness. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. (laughs) It's absolutely crazy. And you look at just the timeline as of late. So what really started to gain momentum was Ursay's tweet which was basically, hey, running backs, we're not paying you more. We've got a CBA, (laughs) right? Like that was essentially it. And then he attempted to clarify those statements with ESPN Stephen Holder and basically said, oh, that wasn't directed at Jonathan. Like we haven't even talked about a contract extension. And you're like, wait, what? So you haven't even offered him a contract extension. So then there's the meeting on the bus on Saturday between Jonathan Taylor and Jim Irsay. Right after that, JT requests to be traded. <laughs> and then Ursay, like Dikembe Mutombo, swatting down the trade request like it's a jumper, it's a shot in the lane, and he rejected it saying, no, 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 that's that. We're not trading him. And then Ursay, with the cherry on top, follows it up with a strange comment about the league not missing him when he's dead or JT when he's not playing. 
This th- we're talking about the course of what two three days? How we got it? it's insane. There's so much I want to unpack there. First, I know you had a conversation last week with one of our favorites, Stephen Holder of ESPN, and he had alluded to during your conversation that Jonathan Taylor might not be with the Colts this year. Whether that was via trade, whether that was the news that came out yesterday that Mike Chappell reported on regarding the thought that he had a back injury off-site at one point during the offseason and that he might not be available this year, if at all. And then John Taylor replied to that. But, But those seeds of conversations, when you had that with Stephen Holder last week, I think this has been in the know of, whether it's rumor mill or sources, the last couple of days, five, six, seven days before the formal announcement that there might be a trade request that ultimately happens here. And then it does come out publicly. There's been a trade request. And like you mentioned, Jim Ursay just smacks that off to the side. It's like, yeah, we're not not dealing him. Not going to happen today. Not going to happen in October. Not going to happen ever. My biggest thing with all of this, Jim Ursay continues to say wild things Ah. and you have to parse it to figure out, okay, what is really being said there? He's not wrong. If he died today and Jonathan Taylor wound up out of the league, everything's still going to move. They, 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 they would eventually be forgotten about. He He's not wrong on that aspect of it. Uh, it's a wild thing to say with all of this, the way he worded it, but he's not wrong. And from the standpoint of the CBA thing, I know he didn't directly call out Jonathan Taylor by name, but right. there's no way he doesn't know that, oh, my star running back is going to be in this same boat next year if I don't extend him. What's going to happen if I tweet this out? Like either Jim or say really messed up with said tweet, which wouldn't be the first time, or it was somewhat chess-like work by him calling out the whole running back market, but then backtracking and saying, oh, I'm not talking about Jonathan Taylor, though. Yes, well, you are. I mean, there, there's no way you weren't. I think that uh, Jim Mercy basically pulled a Sean Payton, the Broncos head coach, where said Sean too Payton, much. yeah, he had this <laughs> USA Today article and said all these things, crushed Nathaniel Hackett, the former coach last year of the Broncos, for doing an awful job. Like, talked about the Jets and their approach this season. Most of the stuff he said was true. Was correct. Like, find me the lie, you know? But you can be right and wrong at the same time. You can be correct and wrong at the same time. There are plenty of examples of that. So for Jim Ursay to come out and say, hey, this and that about the running back market or what have you, like, he's been correct about most of the things that he has said. And like you said, the league won't miss him when he's gone. The league won't miss Jonathan Taylor when he's gone. It's going to move forward. That technically is 100% correct, but it's wrong to say it. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> That'd be saying like, yeah, honey, that, that dress does make you look like a blimp. That, that might be correct. <laughs> wrong thing to say. Yeah. Really wrong thing to say. So he just doesn't understand that, or he doesn't care. It's one of the two, but he keeps stepping in it and making things worse. The other issue that I have with all this and whether or not this is the true cause or not, if it is directly agent to player or not, this is another example of a player being misled about how things should go throughout this process. What I mean by that is Jonathan Taylor is not at a point in his career right now where it's time for a guns a blazing public war. And the reason I say that is he still has one year under his contract. 
Like this, this often gets blended, and it has been with the national conversation, Jonathan Taylor, with Saquon Barkley, with Tony Pollard, with guys like that. But they're in different areas of their careers right now. Those are tags that are actually offered that are on the table that they're dealing with. Jonathan Taylor still has a whole nother season underneath yeah. control. And then the tag situation comes into play. And JT has decided whether it's on his own volition, whether it's agent influence or whatever, that he is going to take this battle right here, right now, that I am not going to, he hasn't fully said it to this point yet, but it is not going to be pretty unless I have a contract negotiation or an understanding of an extension before the season starts. And the Colts have made it clear publicly that's not happening. So they're not trading him. They've said that publicly. They're not extending him. They've kind of said that publicly. Ball is in Jonathan Taylor's court ultimately now of what happens. Mm-hmm. Is he not going to play this year? Is the back thing real? He said it wasn't on Twitter last night. And I felt like, again, one of the most respected journalists in this town, a reporter that I trust more than anybody in Mike Chappell, is the one that had that story. A guy who really admires Jonathan Taylor's game, but again, does things by the book as he's supposed to, is getting called out on Twitter about what sources are you talking about here with this story. The whole thing is spiraling down a path that I don't think anybody wanted to, but a large part of it at this point, at least last night's wave, is on JT. Well, I like the first point you're making, which is essentially like, look at the timing of this situation. You know what I mean? Look at the running back market where it is, where you've got... Saquon Barkley didn't get a long-term extension. Tony Pollard didn't get a long-term deal with the Cowboys. The league's leading rusher last season, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, he didn't get a long-term extension. You, you look at all of those things and the timing of banging the table and making an impassioned, like, all-in plea to get a long-term extension coming off a down year where he missed six games due to an ankle injury. The time is just wrong, right? Mm -hmm. For that to be the case. And the odds of it working out in your favor realistically happening. By the way, side note, why are the Panthers so drunk? You look at the running back market. They traded for Miles Sanders, and they gave him a four-year deal for 25.5 million dollars meanwhile Jacobs doesn't get paid Saquon doesn't get paid the Panthers are drunk but that's the exception the norm is that these top running backs aren't getting paid and so you're right it is really interesting timing for JT to not be just banging the table he's standing on the table kicking the table he's doing the dropping the people's elbow on the table like this is it pay me or I'm out and The Colts responded to that with, no, we're not trading you. It's a wild scenario. And then, like you mentioned, you add on this back situation as the layer on top where right now JT is on the PUP list where he can get paid, but there's talk about maybe he's going to be on the non-football injury list, the NFI, and he wouldn't be getting paid if he's on that list. This is like... Old school, like uh, the days of our lives and general hospital football style. This is a mega soap opera. And it's hard to really point who comes out looking better on this scenario where it stands right now. I mean, as as it operates currently, even though the way Jim Irsay has said it has been extreme and, and just very much on brand for him, yeah. the Colts for me right now are still the group that's in the right here 
Because this, let's say there were contract talks, even though Jim Irsay said there wasn't. Let's say there's been figures thrown around, whether it's Taylor Irsay, whether it's his agent Irsay, whether it's Ballard, whoever. This is not, clearly, this is not about, hey, a two-year, $13 million deal. Like, because that that's about, best case, what Jonathan Taylor would likely get if he was traded somewhere with where the running back market is currently. He's not getting a market reset 16 or $17 million a year like Christian McCaffrey got. He's probably not getting $15 million a year like Alvin Kamara got. He's more in, if he really wants for his buck, that Derrick Henry, that Nick Chubb range where there's a lot of guaranteed money, but the average annual valuation is about $12.5 million. This is clearly about more than that for Jonathan Taylor or more assurances than that. If you play the game that you're going to trade him, which the Colts have said that they're not going to do that. If you play the game that you're going to trade a 24-year-old that you still have under team control for this year, and then however long you want to tag him over a three-year window, I don't think it goes that far, but let's say two years years for the sake of argument. Let's go this year and a tag year after that. That's the control you have underneath a 24-year-old that's one of the best backs in the game when healthy. Or you can trade him when he's at his lowest value that he's ever had, because he had an injury plague season with a bad offensive line last year. And now his agent has played the card of, uh, we've demanded a trade. That story's out there now. What are you getting for him? Right. Like, what is the return that you're going to get for Jonathan Taylor, even if you wanted to make him happy? The Panthers got a second rounder, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, and a fifth rounder from the Niners for Christian right. McCaffrey. Now, the contract was different, there's a lot of money tied to that thing. But that was the compensation that was there. No first rounder anywhere near that. Just multiple other round picks. Is Jonathan Taylor getting a higher package than what the Panthers got for Christian McCaffrey? No. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, absolutely not. No way. Because the timing matters. And and also, you have to look at fit. You have to look at where would he be going. Right. You, You look at Christian McCaffrey fitting into that specific offense being the the pass catching threat that he is like that's there are a lot of factors mm-hmm. there it, but the the fact remains is like JT's coming off a very down year and 800 plus looks even worse when it's right after 1800 plus you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. so he went from stud season to effectively dud season based on mainly the injury issues so there's that at play and man this added layer jimmy of the the back injury where, like you said, Mike Chappell, he reported that Taylor, quote, suffered some type of back injury while working out on his own in Arizona, end quote. And then you also have ESPN Stephen Holder. He later added that Taylor, quote, reported to training camp complaining of back pain that was deemed to be from a pre-existing issue, end quote. Those are the reports. So JT took to Twitter, number one, Never had a back pain. Number two, never reported back pain. Not sure who, quote-unquote, sources are, but find new ones. So either JT is not telling the truth or some reporting isn't dotting the I's, crossing the T's. It depends what you believe here, but it could be where JT's money is at stake and all of a sudden he's questioning the sources that might be right about what they're reporting here. I get it. If you're if you're a fan listening today and you think that the word sources is thrown out blanketly or just as a way to sound professional, like that maybe that person doesn't actually have sources. I know that that's happened for fans when they look at articles like this. I get that. 
That it's not the case, and I will never believe that's the case with someone of Mike Chappell's pedigree or somebody of in a subsequent report Stephen Holder's pedigree. That, that that's not is what's happening here, right? And that's why it bugged me last night because like of and I and I to be clear, I don't really have a, a problem or an issue with anybody within the market that reports on the team. I think we have a lot of good, high quality journalists that cover the team both from a local level and at the national level as well. But the most seasoned veteran of all of them is the one that has this story. And you talk about whether or not your I's and your T's are all in order. Right, right. That, that, that is page one of Mike Chappell's operation. So mm-hmm. that would lead me to think if that's the choice of sources are wrong or Jonathan Taylor's not being honest, I'm sorry, I'm going to back the reporter right. that's been here since the team was here. Well, and I also think this, Jimmy, is, listen, let's be honest. Sometimes reporters get things wrong. Sure. It has happened Mm -hmm. before. But the impact of being wrong in this situation, Mike Chappell, Stephen Holder, they're well aware, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's just say this was not correct, okay? They put out this story about, hey, uh, it it might be a pre-existing back injury. They know that the Colts could potentially put JT on NFI, and he wouldn't be getting paid. You know what I mean? Like, that's not something you just gloss over and say, oh, well, you know, Bob, the uh, the ball guy, he said this story, and it just seemed believable, so I ran with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you vet that out in yeah. this situation, especially for, like, it, it's also more impactful when you're covering a specific team. You know what I mean? Like, I I absolutely believe that's the situation. And I also believe JT's going to do what he can to try to protect his money. And that might involve bending the truth just a little bit. It's what I'm led to believe. And I, that was well within his right in terms of, I, I get it. He's trying to, to battle and, and he thinks he is, he's deserving of a contract extension. And I mentioned this on Twitter last week. I, I get it from the player's standpoint. He is well within his right to fight for what he thinks he is deserved. But my larger issue now is that this has turned into a war of words on both social media and in print media and online interviews and just regular audio that we're getting from camp as producer extraordinaire Eddie Garrison had ready for us to start the show. Like you're getting these sound bites now for a player that somebody brought up Le'Veon Bell to me on Twitter. And it's like, this is different for a number of reasons. One Bell was on the second time, I think second or third time he'd been tagged when that happened, meaning that he had gone with the mentality of, okay, I'm going to prove to them I'm worthy of money. I'm going to go earn it on the tag, and then they'll pay me. And they didn't pay him. And he's like, all right, what other choice do I have? I'm going to try to sit out. That didn't work for him. And I know that Jonathan Taylor is younger than Bell was, and his career necessarily wouldn't fall off if he tried the sit-out strategy here. But if he does not play, whether it's because he's on that list where he doesn't get paid or whether he tries to fight this and is like, hey, I'm not reporting, not coming week one, week two, week three. There's nothing to be gained there. There's no right. real leverage right. in his corner because, A, the Colts have him under team control for, again, this season and can tag him next year. And B, no one that would trade for him unless it's the Panthers or somebody that are throwing around stupid money is going to pay him what the Colts couldn't already do. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is it makes me think of Saquon Barkley, right? Remember Saquon, Mm -hmm. uh, it was about two weeks ago, 
was on a podcast and he was saying, hey, you know, maybe I just have to say bleep you to my team and my teammates. Sit out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> Goodness, that, not, a, not a word that you would have messed up with. But I might just sit out. Yeah. And then he reversed course very quickly. And he's back. He, he's back with the Giants. And he said, I had an epiphany. It's it just the, the best thing I can do is go out here and have a, a great year. And he's right. Yep. Like there's no leverage in sitting out and the next guy goes up and he's not going to do the same things, but it's going to be comparable. And you're probably going to end up like Le'Veon Bell, if anything else. So with Jonathan Taylor, the position he is in, it's tough because you, you don't have any outs. Like these moves that you try to make, they end up backfiring one after another after another. And you're seeing real quickly, you don't have any real leverage. Yeah. It stinks. It's the difference between what should be and what is. Because a back as talented as JT and as productive as he's been, he should have more leverage than he does. But that's just not where the market is. Did you want to go? Yes. I want to ask this question to the both of you. He's currently on PUP, which means he failed the physical per Mike Chapel. He did say that because he's not healthy right now. How in the world can he expect to get traded if he can't pass a physical? Because yeah. in order for him to be traded, he has to pass a physical. So even if you did try yeah. to trade him, he wouldn't be able to get cleared. I mean, for me off the top, if I am putting my shoes in an agent's shoes and it's clear that negotiations are, I understand. Wait, wait, wait. I messed you that put, up. You, you I, I, I get it. Yes, I understand. Yes. <laughs> Do you want shoes over your shoes, Jimmy? I'm it? a big double shoe guy. I've just learned. <laughs> gotcha. When I'm trying to put on, we'll go, we'll go hats. When I try to put on the agent hat here. There you go. There the, you go. Thank yeah. you. And negotiations have clearly not gone the way I wanted them to, or haven't happened at all. Like in the, in that meeting on the, by the way, it started as a bus, and it keeps getting the Jim Irsay. It's now like a a luxury stage coach. Like the the, the words are getting bigger about <laughs> what story. this thing is. So so yeah. yeah, exactly, it's exactly what it is. So this this palace of a bus that uh, they had these negotiations on for an hour or two or whatever it was. How about this, Jimmy? A Go yacht ahead. on wheels. I love it. Yes. Okay. The, yeah. the yacht on wheels that they were on. No contract extension happened. No productive from Jonathan Taylor's side of things happened during this meeting, and it ends with another card played of, we're demanding a trade. We want to trade for Jonathan Taylor. So he's done that now, which is a, a leverage moving theory. You would think you're trying to either tank your value or make the Colts look bad of, now a star player has made a demand. You need to honor that. And me and Eddie had a discussion both in text and on Twitter last week about the optics of all of this. And Eddie pointed out that, yeah, it can be a bad look from the team standpoint if you have a player that is not happy with the situation and it's broken down on your end as well that you're you maybe you should do right by him or it's, it's a better image look to do right by him. And in some standpoints, I agree with that. The problem is, though, the Colts whether they were good or bad, if you agree with the extensions or not, the Colts have shown year over year over year under the Chris Bauer administration, they are going to take care of their own. Like there's enough, and I want Eddie to respond to this too, and I want to get your take on it as well, Brian. In my mind, there is enough built up rapport about the organization that the Colts are that if they decide finally, yeah, we're going to play hardball with this one, or we're not going to bend the knee to a player's demands that, that's not on them. That's a business decision. It's better than the optics of 
acquiescing to Jonathan Taylor and sending him somewhere for less than his market value. Last week, uh, Brian brought up the point of paying people before their contract was up. And the caveat that I made is when you look at Ryan Kelly, when you looked at Quentin Nelson, when you look at Braden Smith, Shaq Leonard, Naheem Hines, none of those guys had injuries. They were all healthy. Sure. Jonathan Taylor is coming off an ankle surgery as a running back. Sure. And then you have this uncertainty of is there a back problem or is there not a back problem? So why in the world would you in the front office extend him anyway? There's no point. No. And like I mentioned before on Twitter, the Colts have the reputation as a first-class stand-up organization that respects its players and treats them properly. If you're not going to negotiate at all with this player and he asks to be traded much like Naheem Hines did last season – I think you have to oblige by it and you have to hear it out. And late last week, it was reported that he went to Chris Ballard and asked for that trade. Now it just became public over the weekend. Right. Well, I think a couple of things where if you talk about the injuries, if you look at those other players that got their money, they play positions that are valued more around Mm -hmm. the league. So even if Shaq Leonard or Quentin Nelson was coming off a down year where their production was half of what it normally is – they still get a contract extension before Jonathan Taylor does. Unfortunately, that's just where the running back market is. And the other thing is, man, from Jonathan Taylor's perspective, the Colts have done an awful job of making him feel valued, right? Like, that's the thing. I, I get it. I don't like it if I'm JT, but I get it why the money isn't there. I look at the market. I can make sense of that. But when I hear Jim Irsay go on this soliloquy about, oh, we we pay our guys. We take care of our guys. We value our guys. I'm sitting there like, okay, cool. Well, well, then why don't you show me the love? (laughs) Like, you can't just make these statements without the actions to support them. And in terms of it, with just Jonathan Taylor specifically, I would be feeling like, why am I the black sheep? You're taking care of all these people, and you do right, and you do all these flowery things. That's great. What about me? That's how I'd be feeling. I would be, too. And I don't blame him for feeling that way. And I guess I look at the NFL differently than any other sport because it feels like, than almost any other sport, the owners and the front office still outwin the players more often than not in terms of power, in terms of player control, in terms of decision-making. You don't have, and we've we talked about this before, Brian, with the Damian Lillard situation out in Portland, mm-hmm. or any situation that happens in the NBA, you don't have these situations like Eddie outlined where a player that's a true star, like, I love Naeem Hines as a person, good football player, I know he just got injured a couple weeks ago, I've always liked him. He's not at the same level as Jonathan Taylor. Both those things could be true. Mm-hmm. You don't have players of Jonathan Taylor's pedigree often winning in these situations. Yeah. Sometimes it works out where you're in a different direction than the player that you sign an extension to, a la Carolina. They needed to go in a different direction with Christian McCaffrey. He wanted to play for a contender. They found a partner that worked. For the Colts, like... I'm with Eddie. You you should pick up the phone and, and hear people if they want to try to trade for Jonathan Taylor. But the understanding there is what does Taylor want in a contract extension? Because he's going to have to end up on a team that's going to keep him long term. You would think. And secondly, if that situation does play out, you're not. I'm not. I'm not giving away Jonathan Taylor for a fourth round pick. Like I'm not. I would rather tell him, hey, I'm sorry, you're under team control. We'll see you out on the field or you're not getting game checks. Like that's that's the reality of it. 
Well, and listen, man, it goes to the larger conversation about running backs in general, where I still, listen, if the touches greatly dwindled, if the production greatly dwindled, then it would make more sense yeah. to me why they're not getting the money. It, they would add up. But when you go back to Jonathan Taylor's season, like two years ago, he had 372 touches. He had almost 2,200 yards mm-hmm. from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns. That's what he had. And he's in line for a contract extension, and he's 24. You don't have to pay him huge money over a, a long period of time like an Ezekiel Elliott deal. What was it, six years, $90 million? Yep. Like, we're not going down that road again. It wouldn't have to be close to that, and they could probably hammer out a deal, and yet they still aren't. <laughs> and that's what boggles my mind is – if the production wasn't there, I can understand the pay not being there either. But the production is there. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. He can't get a long-term deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, That's the part that is wild to me where I agree with Najee Harris of the Steelers. They're valued everywhere but at the negotiating table. That, that's the truth yeah. of it. That's a great, great argument. And, uh, hey, man, that's just more of the same with running backs not being able to get their true value financially. And unfortunately, and this isn't happening because I get it, unions are not going to often fight amongst themselves, but you can track, you and I could go do it. It doesn't take someone that's like sophisticated in cap knowledge to look at from 2017 to this season, the numbers for a tag, which again, isn't Jonathan Taylor right now. He's still on his rookie deal. That's the other thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on two tangents here, but I know we need to go to break, so I'll keep it short in that I hear people complain all the time, but ah, you're making the money. Go out and play. And like often I don't agree with that guy because it's usually just a statement that just yelled at because you're not fully comprehending where a player is in his contract. But if the Colts were to say that in a nicer way to Jonathan Taylor, that would be a fact of the matter, which is he's still on his rookie deal. Like, mm-hmm. we are not in a situation where we're tagging you. This is a contract that you need to play out, and then we'll talk about an extension at the end. But the other aspect of it for me is that with where the running back market is and what constitutes fair value or not, this is something where you've seen it deviate of how much a tag is worth for a wide receiver and a running back over the last six years. They were pretty much in line or close to it. In 2017, it's now like a $10 million gap. Either the players' union and the players' association failed or they dropped the ball in some capacity inadvertently because running backs were not taken care of when they could have last been fought for post Le'Veon Bell's psycho scenario. They didn't do it. And now everybody's looking around like, well, we're not getting taken care of. Why didn't you do this during the CBA negotiations? And if the answer is that we didn't think about it, well, that's a seven-year likely mistake that's going to cost one position group. Yeah, and they're paying dearly for it. There's no doubt about that. We got a lot to do here, Jimmy. Coming up next, who pays the biggest price for this whole situation as it stands right now between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor? That is on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I got a question for you, Jimmy. If I go crazy, will you still <laughs> call me Superman? Indeed. 
You would. I got you. Yes. Okay, good. Yep. I'm just I just wanted to make sure that would be the case. <laughs> um so uh Jonathan Taylor and the Colts and the back and forth, who pays the biggest price for where things stand right now? I say it's Anthony Richardson, Jimmy. Is you start thinking about this beyond the you get into this like two sides. It's almost like a boxing match. It's like JT versus uh the Colts or you know, it's uh, it's Crawford versus Spence, like we saw over the weekend on Saturday, right? If you check that out. Um, and, and it's like it's bigger than a boxing match between just two sides. There is a whole team that's affected by this. And Anthony Richardson, who again, hasn't thrown 400 passes in college to be a rookie who might start a bulk maybe the entire season. To not have Jonathan Taylor as of right now, even in camp, is an issue, but moving forward, how long does this linger? Has he played his final down for the Colts? Are we not going to see Jonathan Taylor, who's best suited for RPO stuff galore that Anthony Richardson likes to run? Like, I think Anthony Richardson is paying the price right now, and the question is how big of a price as we go forward with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts sparring right here? That's a great perspective on it because Anthony Richardson, and if I'm him, like selfishly, never saying this publicly, I'm not mad that all the spotlight is off of me and on Jonathan Taylor now. I can just kind of do my thing as a rookie that that has the inexperience there, but I'm not the top story with this team anymore. It's the star running back that's the top story. But once this dust all clears, regardless if Taylor's on the NFI or if he's holding out or whatever, yeah, his development, you would think, would take a massive step backwards, at least in the luxury of having a weapon like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield there with him. Now, I'm not going to say that the reps still won't help because the biggest thing you would hope if you're Shane Steigen, if you're starting him week one, is he needs reps. He's inexperienced, but he has a good knowledge of the game. We like where his head's at, and I think he's ready to go. Like, you're going to get those reps. They'll be there. That's really what you want out of this first season if you're starting him is growth, stuff on tape, and stuff to build off of. But yeah, he's definitely, as it stands right now, the biggest casualty of what happens if Jonathan Taylor's not with the Colts this year. The other angle of who's most impacted, though, for me, Brian, is Jonathan Taylor, if it turns out that they do put him on that non-football injury Mm -hmm. list. Mm -hmm. Because now you're no longer at a point of you're holding out for money and you're taking a financial penalty because you're not playing, but you could play. Now you're in a scenario where you're already trying to find leverage as it is. You're wanting to get to the negotiating table with the Colts or at this point be traded because he's demanded a trade. And in that report from both Mike Chappell and Stephen Holder about this back injury that he suffered this offseason, in the story it says the Colts wanted him to work out here and he had guys that, uh, you know, professionals of his own team that he wanted to work with out in Arizona. If this happened off-field, This is no longer a leverage play. This is a, oh, he got hurt away from the team, so he's not playing this year, and he's not getting paid. Mm. If if that ends up happening, Jonathan Taylor is the most impacted, in my mind, by all of this. If it goes the other way, then yeah, I agree with you. It's Anthony Richardson. I hear you. Right. Where it could go, sure, it might be JT. But as it is right now, I think it's Anthony Richardson. The ripple effect, because like this could clear up. That, like We could have a Saquon Barkley situation with Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> it doesn't look like it right now, but don't forget, Saquon, for a little bit, 
was throwing out possibilities of maybe sitting out and maybe that's my leverage. Maybe I have to do that. And the next thing you know, like $900,000 in incentives was enough for him to be like, okay, forget all that. I'll, I'll go back. And like, <laughs> Right? So even though it seems unlikely right now, and there certainly isn't the same war of words, you didn't have John Mara Right, like thrown out tweets, like just just to confirm here, we got a CBA. Right, it wasn't as ugly mm-hmm. with the Giants as it is right now with the Colts. But all that being said, it still could clear up relatively quickly if Jonathan Taylor realizes, like, man, I don't have really any leverage right here. So if they're not trading me, my only option is to not play. How is that helping me? And if he comes to the determination that it doesn't and he suits back up well then yeah I think it would shift to Anthony Richardson being affected because he's not at training camp and who knows how long that lingers you got to have as much of a support system as you can around Anthony Richardson who is very inexperienced playing quarterback in college and completely inexperienced playing quarterback in the NFL as he's a rookie right now. you got to surround him with as much stuff, mm-hmm. as much playmaking talent as possible, and to not have JT right there now, and who knows if he is there again, that, that hurts a lot. The other angle with all of this, as I'm sitting here looking at different contract numbers for players that are either coming up on a contract year or in a contract year, and the argument of, well, the Colts do always take care of their own, and that's true, but, and I get it, this is going to be a pathway where teammates are against teammates in this discussion, but Michael Pittman Jr. is the other big offensive name that we've talked about that is in a contract year, that is at a position where it would make a lot of sense for the Colts, like from a national standpoint, nobody would be surprised if a wide receiver gets a contract extension because right. they're so valued in the league. Like if Michael Pittman Jr. got an extension tomorrow for four years, whatever the money, like I, I know I get it with the JT optic standpoint. It right. doesn't look good, but I mean like on a normal year, right. wouldn't bat an eye at it. Sure. There is going back to the point about, well, he should play out the contract. There is a certain merit to that from a player's standpoint because Michael Pittman Jr. could have the same thoughts. He could look around and think to himself, a lot of your own Chris Bauer have been taken care of. I've not been taken care of yet. But if Michael Pittman Jr. plays out the season, he's doing it because he still has one more year on his contract before tags could be applied or negotiations can happen. And I know he's in a position group where he has that luxury, where there's more security there. I understand that. But there's a certain level of where do the optics fly on this for me, where with Jonathan Taylor... If the Colts have told you they're not extending you and they're not going to trade you and you're healthy, you have an obligation as a player still under contract, still on a rookie deal to be there. I, I, I differ with you on that. I, I totally hear what you're Just saying. Just for the rookie deal, by the way. I'm not talking about always. I'm talking about this is still your rookie contract that you're on and I think this conversation probably changes your earlier point, Brian. If he has the year that he had in 2021, right. if he has that last year, we're probably not having this conversation. It would help quite a bit. You never know with the running back market if he would have the deal that he wants. But yeah, if you flip-flopped last two seasons, he would stand a much better chance to be signed, sealed, delivered with the long-term extension. It's just one of these deals where, look, man, if you don't have to make the arguments, you don't make them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, 
You mentioned Michael Pittman Jr. He plays a position that's much more highly valued mm-hmm. than running back is financially. Yes, financially. Uh, Justin Herbert, same draft class with the Chargers. He just got broken off. You know what I mean? Because he's a quarterback. Yes. Like that's after year three of his time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He just got the biggest contract we've ever seen. Yep. Before, <laughs> like so. He, you never heard Justin Herbert say anything about paying me because he didn't need to. Right. Right. Jonathan Taylor has to say that because they're not willing to pay him. Can you imagine if the Colts broke off Michael Pittman Jr. right around now as JT? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You want to talk about adding another layer to this whole fiasco. Wow. I just don't see, and it stinks. It stinks for the position group. I understand that, but. Unless he gets put on, which would impact him financially, unless he gets put on that non-football injury list, there's not a, a, a way for Jonathan Taylor to achieve what he wants to achieve, barring the Colts selling low on him. Right. From the other standpoint, let's say he had the year that he had in 2021, 2021 last year. He leads the league in almost every category and is a bona fide superstar at the position. Mm-hmm. then you have real leverage of demanding a trade because maybe teams are looking at it as a non-injury prone, and I'm not saying he is injury prone based on one season, but maybe they look at that and say, ah, that, that that's a high-level running back. It's like getting a, a, a high-level Derrick Henry because that's the conversation that he was in in 2021 as the best back in the league. That's what we're getting at 24 years old. Sign me up. Now there's not enough value for the Colts to bend the knee and trade him, mm-hmm. which I ultimately think is, okay, JT, are you going to, not make $4 million this year, or are you eventually going to be there week one? And the money talks, even though it's only $4 million, it talks to a point that, yes, I think he's ultimately going to be there unless the Colts get a home run type offer they can't pass on. Right, and that's the Colts are probably thinking, if we trade JT right now off a down year, what would we really get? Maybe a third rounder? Something around there? Yeah. Maybe you would luck out and get a second? That seems steep right maybe, now. Maybe a third and a fourth, perhaps. Like, maybe. like some type of a, a pet. But not the, like, I get Colts fans wanting to have superstar reactions to this. It's not a first rounder. It's, no, a, it's, it's, not. Absolutely, no, it's absolutely not a first rounder. I don't, I don't even mean like a 2025. For, it's not a first round pick. Right. So the Colts are thinking, okay, if we get in the neighborhood of a third rounder, what's the point in making that trade right now when if we just keep him, and he walks at the end of the season, we'd get a compensatory pick right. for the guy. Right. right. So we'd probably get a third rounder or thereabouts at the end of the season yeah. <laughs> with with the possibility of this shifting back to JT plays, and we've got a bell cow running back with Anthony Richardson. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why would you trade – unless it's gotten so bad – and it's such a, dis- a distraction, and it, it's so ugly that you're just like, let's let's move on from him right now and get similar compensation than you might get if the compensatory formula plays out, where you just you lose more free agents than you sign, like right, like. Mm-hmm. So I think that would lead to them being of the mindset of, well, let's just keep them for the t- <laughs> for at least the time being. All of this is not working out for JT is basically no. what, it, what it boils down to. Coming up next, Jimmy, I want to break out a list here, okay? What are the top three reasons how we got here with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts? Like, who's to blame? If you're playing the blame game and you're pointing fingers with how are we here, what does your list look like? 
We'll do that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Okay, we got to bust out a list over here. We always love a good list. Jimmy is uh what what are the top 3 reasons why we are where we are with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. Taylor wants a long-term extension, the Colts don't want to give him one, and it goes downhill from there. Okay, let let's start with number 1 on your list. What is the biggest reason why we are where we are? For me, the top reason is league-wide Mm -hmm. And it is the depreciation of the running back position to a point that you've now had. I'm not talking like the last 23 years. I'm talking about the last five to six years. You've had an offseason after offseason after offseason of a disgruntled back in some capacity, whether it was Le'Veon Bell on multiple tags deciding he was going to sit out whether it was players trying to fight the tag, like Saquon Barkley, like Josh Jacobs, you've had these stories continue to happen. And now we're at a point where if there was ever a situation where you would think a running back as talented as Jonathan Taylor could get paid a handsome amount and a team would be comfortable with it, it would be a team that has a rookie quarterback on contract and you could afford to splurge a little bit. You could afford to take care of a guy. Doesn't have to be running back. You can splurge anywhere you want. But if it doesn't happen on this roster, it's not happening anywhere. John Taylor would then subsequently see all those moves, see what's happening to him, and he feels he has to force himself or say he's going to sit out or demand a trade. So for me, that's top of the list. The slow degradation of the value of a running back to the point that Jonathan Taylor, not in a tag year, he's in a contract year, feels the need that he has to get a first punch out there. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit differently. Okay. The biggest reason why we are where we are between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor is Jim Irsay. Ooh. He is the number one reason why. And okay. here are a couple of reasons as to why I would say that. Um, if you look at Irsay, he has done a deplorable job of manage, of massaging this situation. You know, like, think about laying on the table and getting an actual massage. Instead, Jim Irsay, the masseuse, busted out a jackhammer. It's like, let's try this on your lower back. Let's see if this works. Like, what, what is he doing it, with numerous things? It was the initial tweet, which was correct about the running back market and the CBA being negotiated, but didn't help anything. And then the next day, he tried to clarify that with Stephen Holder and saying, oh, I didn't have anything to do with Jonathan Taylor. And we haven't even talked dollars and cents as far as the contract negotiation goes. It's like, oh, good to know you're not even offering him a contract. That didn't help anything. Then there's this, oh, and by the way, when Jonathan Taylor isn't playing anymore, no one's going to miss him. Like, what are you doing? Why would you say those things? And then the meeting the hour-long meeting on the yacht with wheels, immediately after Taylor is requesting a trade. Jim Irsay has done an awful, awful job. Like, legendarily awful job massaging the situation. And look no further than Saquon Barkley. 
Saquon came off a much better season last year, was looking for a long-term deal, didn't get it, but you didn't see ownership stepping in it time and time and time again to royally tick him off and force his hand to do things that aren't going to benefit him in the long run, but you're acting out of emotion. I put that on Jim Ursay, tweeting, making public statements that don't help the situation at all. It makes it so much worse. I think the problem, if I'm included in this, predates today. (laughs) It predates last week. It predates two weeks ago. This dates back to three years ago when Chris Ballard traded up in the second round to draft Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) That's where this all starts because of the roster construction. You pay a left guard $20 million. You have so much money invested in the offensive line. You're trying to win games by with your defense and by running the football, and in today's NFL, that simply cannot happen. And he's gotten a pass on all of it, and it's just maddening. I don't know. I don't understand how Chris Ballard still has a job, and I don't want to act like I'm coming for his head, but it's like – you have the way that this roster is built, and it doesn't work in today's NFL. And the whole reason we're in this situation is he drafted Jonathan Taylor by trading up into the second round and choosing a player at a non-premium position with a premium pick. Wow, dude, a second-round pick on a running back? And like, Were you saying that after 21 where he's running for 1,800-plus? No, but that's not how it is. Like. You have to remember, two years ago, we started this talking about uh, nationally, NFL-wise, is that you cannot – there's no reason to pay a running back top dollar because they're easily replaceable. Now it's happening today. All owners are obliging by it, and now it's a big problem that we're griping about running backs not getting paid. It's like, well, just two years ago, we are talking about why teams should not – Trade, uh, should not pay running backs at all because of how easily replaceable they are. You can find running backs in the fourth round and later on, but Chris Ballard felt he was obligated to trade up to get Jonathan Taylor in the second. Well, I think it's worked out to this point, all things considered. You get a second-round pick for JT, and uh, he's he's been a very productive player, so I don't have an issue with that. But I just look at it with what you started off with, Jimmy, the running back market as a whole, where it is, and the value financially declining so significantly. Yes, that's the, the beginning of the problem. But where it takes a sharp left-hand turn, if you do the Jonathan yep. Taylor versus Saquon Barkley situation, you don't have ownership just stepping in it time and time again with Big Blue. And that's a big reason why Saquon is back there. Meanwhile, you've got Jim Irsay tweeting, talking, (laughs) making it way worse. And I think that's the biggest reason why we are where we are. This has been over the course of, what, four days or so? From Wednesday, whenever that initial tweet about the running back market and the CBA, whenever that was, Mm -hmm. it was quick. It was the next day trying to clarify it. That didn't work. Then it was uh, the next day or two days after on the yacht bus. Right, where uh, they're trying to massage it, and then that didn't work. Trade request. Ursay says we're not going to miss JT when he's gone. <laughs> it's like, bro, like he's made this so much more difficult and worse than it should be. I think Jim Ursay is the most to blame here. For me, it's the running back market and its degradation. It's Jim Ursay, and then it is Jonathan Taylor and his agent. Though that's my, we started this with three. That's my, my top three of, I know we don't have time in this segment. To yeah. Divulge, we'll circle but back. That's, that's where I'm at. We'll circle back to that. The top three, but I find the biggest reason the most interesting coming yeah. up next. 
We get to Joel Erickson, Colts reporter for the Indy Star. What should we start off asking him about? Should it be uh, the cornerback situation, Jimmy? What do you think? Uh, where are the tight end decisions at? That's what, that's what yeah, I want to know about. I think that's probably top, top of the board right now. We will absolutely cover the tight end room from every angle. Coming up next with Joel Erickson. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Joel Erickson. Colts reporter for the Indy Star. Good Lord, Joel, how we got here with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. In your opinion, who would you say is either the most to blame or the big, biggest reason we are where we are with this? Probably Taylor's agent, but yeah, probably Taylor's agent. Joel, as you look at where the running back room is right now I'm sure you saw this come across the line and saw the injury happen at practice but uh, it's being reported by a number of different sources including Mike Garofalo of NFL Network that it's a broken arm for Zach Moss he's expected to to miss six weeks Uh, I know that happened or the announcement happened just before you came on with us but as you process that with where things are at for the Colts there's another new wrinkle in this how do you how do you take that in stride well it's it's Listen, six weeks from now, if it, provided everything heals correctly, it's not, you know, that's kind of buttoned up towards the, the first couple of games of the regular season. He maybe could be back for the season opener. Um, you know, if it, if it all goes well. So it, to some degree, um, it doesn't change it, but if it lingers at all, if if in any way at all it, it's it's an issue beyond those six weeks, then you know the, the guys they have on the roster besides that, like Deion Jackson, has done his best work in the NFL as a pass catching back. Evan Hall was kind of drafted as a pass catching back. That you're kind of missing if without Taylor and Moss, you're missing kind of your workhorse, the the guy up the middle, that kind of thing. They they don't necessarily have that right now, so. If if it lingers, I think it's I think it's significant. Uh, Joe, why would you say it's the agent, in your opinion, that might be the most to blame or the biggest reason why things are the way they are between uh, Taylor and the Colts? Um. Well, you know that's the person who sets the the strategy for you know how you're going to approach um, a contract. Generally, that stuff stays behind. Closed doors. Now, I will say that none of this happens, I don't think, without the initial tweet about running backs that came from Colts owners in Mercy. But in terms of the overall, the overall thing, it's 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 the agent who sets it, and he, he kind of pushed everything harder into the public when he responded to that tweet. Um, the flip side of it is there, there's actually, in terms of what's going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, it, it it's there's a there's a part where you could argue that it's just the NFL at large and the way that they value running back, or I should say, don't value running backs anymore. Um, is is why we're in this position because you know there, there's not a lot of running backs getting there's no running backs essentially getting big deals around the league right now, and um, 
And so the, the, there's there's an element of this where it is a little surprising, but um, and 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 obviously everything that's happened is drawn into the public. But I think that there was a possibility this was going to happen behind the scenes anyway. Um, just given given you know teams not wanting to pay running backs big money and running backs obviously still wanting to be get be paid. Joel, what's the latest you've heard on the story that was reported by both Stephen Holder and Mike Chappell regarding the potential back injury that Jonathan Taylor might have suffered before he reported to camp, away from team facilities, and the idea that he could end up on the non-football injury list as a possibility? JT pushes back on that last night on Twitter, says that, you know, I might need to find new sources. This didn't happen. Did you hear similar things on your beat? And if not... where has this gotten so far to a point that it's now a full-scale war of words on Twitter? Well, it, it's it's crazy that it's happened with you know over the last week, um, and I, I don't I don't actually I don't I don't know you know all, all I have is what Taylor said essentially um, in terms of his uh, in terms of his his injury so or in terms of whatever's going on it, it's it's. <laughs> that actually is is sort of something that I I can't remember trying to remember this morning if I'd ever seen like a suggestion of a an injury and then a player saying no he wasn't and he was talking to his team not rep- like a reporter. Um, very 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 confusing. I'm just gonna say, how about the uh, how about the tight end group there, Joel? You know, <laughs> it's just Jonathan Taylor all day, every day. Uh, but no, one more for me at least, JT. Um, what's your best guess where the situation ends up? Because it wasn't that long ago; it looked pretty nasty between the Giants and Saquon Barkley. And the next thing you know, he signed a one-year deal, and he's like, you know what? Best thing for me is to be in camp and. Seem to be okay with it. Can you see that happening with JT? Can you see him being traded? Has he played his last down for the Colts? Well, I, I, I don't. I do think that there's a chance that a team could decide. Uh, you know what? If we're going to go all in, uh, we can do this. You know, and, and there's there's ways. You know, obviously Dalvin Cook hasn't been signed. Um, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been signed. Those guys are older than. You know those guys are older than Jonathan Taylor, so I could see, I could see a team saying, you know, if we're going to go all in, this might be a finishing piece for us in making a trade. Now, I don't know what they give up for it. Um, having a team like the Rams kind of be in transition probably hurts those chances because the Rams would have been like the number one pick for that uh, in the past. Um, and you know, they're uh, even as as crazy and acrimonious as it's been. I mean. The the Colts or not the Colts the Packers ultimately ended up getting another season out of Aaron Rodgers even after all that stuff happened. Um, so there's there's always a chance that it ends up where the the, the player comes back and plays. I, I would love to hear from Taylor. I really would love to hear from Jonathan Taylor himself, um, and not just in a in tweet form. Um, I, I the absence of that and and the stark difference of the way things are playing out versus what he said the last time that we spoke to him in June, uh, I I would really love to know where he's at and what he's thinking um, from, from him, from himself, you know, 
Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get that opportunity, but I, I would love to know what he's thinking. Joel, I know you mentioned that you feel like his representation and, and maybe the the guidance that he's getting from all this with, with his agent helping him battle for uh, what he feels is a well-deserved extension. As you look at that specific dynamic and what leverage Jonathan Taylor might actually have, if any, with all of this, do you think that he's there week one? Do you think that he eventually is going to realize that an extension isn't being made? The Colts have said they're not trading him. If he's there and the choice is play football and earn money or sit out and don't make money, we've seen this happen before, and eventually the player is the one that has to come back to the table and report. Do you, do you anticipate at this point he's there week one? Uh, without without talking to him, I don't want to know. I, I don't know. Okay. Um, but that but the way you the way you laid it out that is often, that is almost always the way this ends up playing out is you know the I mean ultimately ultimately the way it works is if you know it, the tough thing for a running back right now the tough thing for a running back right now is that a player's leverage is his, is himself essentially a player's leverage is his own play and his own body and if honestly if if this was a you know, Nick Bosa is holding out in San Francisco. I, I think Nick Bosa is going to get paid because he plays defensive end. If this was a wide receiver, you would get paid or traded. Um, if it was a quarterback, ultimately you'd be headed toward getting paid um, because he, because Taylor's a running back. And it, that's a tough thing. I understand why that's a tough thing for a running back to hear because they work really hard and they very productive and do all this stuff. But ultimately, just the way the NFL has been going, the way you laid it out is is the most likely thing where they wouldn't be at another position. At another position, if 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 there was a contract extension issue, I, I think ultimately that's what would happen is they would end up either getting paid or getting traded. Um, but it's, it's different for running backs. He's Joel Erickson, Colts reporter for the Indy Star, joining us here on The Fan. You know, it's funny, Joel, you hear all this talk, especially this offseason of, well, you don't pay the running backs because of this and that and wear and tear and yada, yada, yada. You hear all of those arguments. But with that in the backdrop, spin it to JT. And if he's not with the Colts, either, you know, holding out or traded, how big of an effect would it have on the offense, especially when you've got a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson back there? No, I, I think it's huge. Um I, I, I think it's, you know, Shane Steichen himself said that, you know, he thinks that there's a lot of guys who can, or there, there's guys who can get you three or four yards a pop, but, um, you know, what what really is big is, is the guys who can give you explosive plays. That's Taylor. Like, that's what Taylor can do. Um, you know, I think, I think when I counted it up yesterday, Taylor already has nine carries of more than 40 yards in his career, and that includes – that's including a down year last year where he only had the 66-yard run. Um, you know, Zach Moss, for example, the, the, his primary backup, his longest carry in the NFL is 43 yards, and it's the only time I think he's ever gone over 40. So, you know, the, that being able to end a drive quickly, um, keep a quarterback, rookie quarterback, keep a rookie quarterback who's probably going to go through some passing uh, hiccups because uh, just be, just you know that's that's what we've seen from him in college you know like being able to give him a drive where you have a score being able to rip off chunk plays in the running game is huge 
And the other thing is, I think from a running perspective, if it's Taylor back there, then if you're running zone reads, you're running read options, all that kind of stuff, there is a significant chance that the defense can fo- is focusing on Taylor primarily and Richardson is playing off of him. If it's not Taylor back there, I, I would think that I would assume going in that you're if, if you're playing against Richardson that you would tell your defense the key on Richardson and not the back. Um, and so they like not having if they if they were to not have Jonathan Taylor this season, um, I feel like it makes Anthony Richardson's job a lot harder. Whatever he does, start playing. Joel Dion Jackson said earlier today that the JT situation is is not a distraction. When you are observing camp, when you're having these conversations, when they're done with workouts. Does it feel that way? Because at least from afar, it's hard to imagine it's not at least somewhat of a distraction. Well, I, I, I'm sure they're aware of it. Um, but obviously, like when they come to practice and do stuff like that, they're not thinking about it. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's, and that's when we see them. That's when we're around them is when they're practicing and when they're talking to us after practice. I mean, I don't, I don't think they like being asked about it. You know, I, it, it's tough. It's, but that, I mean, that's true of, I think anybody, I don't think anybody wants to have to speak in a, somebody else's financial situation. Um, you know, and Jonathan Taylor's a guy that, that, that this team loves, you know, Deion Jackson was saying today that that's one of his, it's one of his best friends. Uh, Ryan Kelly said, yes, said a couple of days ago, like he's our guy. That's our guy. Um, so, I would guess that from a player player standpoint, usually, uh, I don't want to speak for all the players, but usually from a player standpoint, players are, are four players getting paid, just generally. Um, but in terms of it being a distraction, like the reason they can say that is because when you're in the middle of a play, you're not necessarily thinking about what's going on with Jonathan. Um, but uh, obviously, I think they're obviously pretty, all pretty aware of it. it. It'd be impossible not to be. Hey, Joel, good stuff, man. Thanks for the time. Nothing but tight end questions next time, okay? <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is, I, I like normally I get all, all psyched up to write observations and to get a, like a ton of detail from practice. And it's just like no one's no, – everyone's like, yeah, that's great. Fine, whatever. <laughs> like, can we, get back to those? Like, we love you for you, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good job getting the observations. Let me glance at those while I get back to everything else that's going on. That's right, Joel. Well, hey, man, thanks for your time. We'll catch you soon, bud. Okay, sounds good. There he is, Joel Erickson from the Indy Star. Covers the Colts. Yeah, man. He's like, I was all set to talk about this great catch on third and seven and look out for the tight ends, you know, and it's, it's just JT. It is. <laughs> like, it's weird because, look, man, I think about the Dallas Cowboys where Jerry Jones does stuff like this all the time. Yep. You know what I mean? And Jim Irsay does also. But it's not covered the same way. You know what I mean? Like nationally, it's just not the same type of coverage and focus on some of the things that Jim Irsay has said compared to Jerry Jones. But to me, it goes back to why make things harder for yourself? Like winning in the NFL is hard enough. Why are you putting hurdles on your own path to success. You know what I mean? Like, why? If we're running the 100-yard dash or 100-meter dash, why would you say, you know what, around 50 meters, I'm going to put a hurdle right in front. And actually, right when we take off, right in the in the start line, uh, uh, the starter's blocks, let's hurdle right there. Why? Why would you do that? And yet, Jim Mercer sometimes insists 
on setting up hurdles. Like Joel just said, if he doesn't send that initial tweet, we might not have any of this happen. Like, think about that yeah. for a second. That that's it was such a bad idea. I think, and it doesn't. I don't disagree with you, right? Like, this is a solution that you can't do. This is hindsight twenty twenty. But I don't mind the tweet. It's the way he did things before and after the tweet that I have an issue with. The conversation with Jonathan Taylor being aware enough to know that he is in the same boat or about to be in the same boat as the running backs you're tweeting about. You should have had the meeting on the yacht bus before you sent that tweet. Because otherwise, and you mentioned this earlier, Brian, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I feel like that's a direct shot at me on Twitter. That is subtweeting me on Twitter is what just happened there by Jim Irsay. And then you try to play cleanup about it after the fact. Oh, it wasn't about Jonathan Taylor. And and no, we, we really love and value JT. Okay, that's fine. And all those things can be true. And maybe you didn't mean it that way. But that's how the running back feels about it. And that's how the public sees it. Is how could it not be yeah. about both the running back market as a whole and about your running back that's about to be in that same boat. You would have to, you should know that. <laughs> but I don't know that he did. Because I, I fully believe him. Like, I, I believe maybe he wasn't talking about Jonathan Taylor. Maybe he just was optically thinking well, about the market as a whole. Right. But how could you not have the awareness totally. to realize that my running back who's about to be in that same boat is going to think... I'm talking about him without referencing him by name. It's one of two things. It's either a complete lack of awareness or it's being aware and not caring. Right. And I think it's the former. I think it's a lack of awareness. It could have been responding to Najee Harris that was talking about, hey, maybe we change the, the value of the franchise tag or we need to get compensated properly. I don't know what happens if we shorten the length of rookie deals. Like He's talking about those sorts of things. Right. And Jim Irsay... (laughs) comes off the top rope. This is what boggles my mind, Jimmy, is everything relating to running backs is in favor of the teams and ownership. Everything. Yep. Okay. And Jim Irsay still felt the need because he was annoyed by Najee Harris or an agent or whomever. He still felt the need to throw it out there on Twitter of, see the CBA. Check it out. We agreed to it, took a lot of hard work, and to act like we're going to change things up midway through, ain't going to happen, baby. Like, why? Why? And, and to not know that, of course, your guy, Jonathan Taylor, is going to look at that more than sideways like, wait a minute, wait a minute, run that by me again? Because I'm trying to get paid, and you're just slamming the door in my face and all my other fellow running backs. Like, how would you not know that's going to land so poorly? It was just such a gross misstep by the guy. And he's done nothing yeah. but make it worse. Correct. But if he has that conversation with John and Taylor beforehand, and he has those, like that same tweet, if he has that conversation with Jonathan Taylor saying, this is how I feel about the running back market. This is how I feel about where the league is. This is how I feel about all the hard work and negotiations with all the hours and days and weeks and time we spent making that CBA. If he tells all that to Jonathan Taylor ahead of time and then he tweets it, I view it differently. And he, I don't and, know. And, but here's why. Yeah. The reason I feel differently about it is you bring up the Jerry Jones thing. 
whether it's right or not, which I don't know that I'd want Jim Irsay if I was an NFL owner being the spokesperson on my behalf, but he has taken over that role or shared some of that role a la Jerry Jones of being an owner that you go to for quotes about ownership conversations or owner meetings or whatever. He is wearing one of those badges now, one of those hypothetical badges we're throwing out here to the point that maybe he feels an obligation like he needs to push back against this and say, no, we had these negotiations already. Stop acting in bad faith. And he wants to squash it right away. I don't mind him doing that. What I mind him doing is saying that when it's clearly going to impact your running back and then apologizing for it because you didn't have the foresight to have the conversation with him beforehand. I, I think this, man, I hear what you're saying. And I think the timeline of it makes it worse. Yeah. But I think what you're saying, it's still bad. <laughs> right? Like, uh, let's put it this way. Let's say that Ursay, he talks to Jonathan Taylor. They have the meeting on the yacht bus. Sure. First. And he says whatever he says. JT, we value you. You're our guy. We love you on the field and off the field. You're awesome. Yeah, it butters him up. You know what I mean? And then has a much different message via Twitter or via X, whatever it is right now. I don't know, right? That still doesn't land well with you. If you're, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, that still doesn't land well with me. Put it this way. I don't know the best example, but imagine if I'm telling my girlfriend when it's just the two of us, all these great, I love you, you're awesome, you're the girl for me, all these great things. But then publicly, I say something that differs from that. Or I put a tweet out there that's different than that, where it's like, yeah, she's cool, but I don't know if we're meant to be long-term. Right? Like, even if I'm telling you all these things between the two of us, when my message differs publicly, you look at that like, what's up with that? It still doesn't land well, even if the timeline is different with Ursa and JT. I want to clarify one thing, and then Eddie, go in and jump in. I'm saying... you're saying one half of a conversation. I'm saying the whole conversation should have had, which if you want to butter him up, that's fine. But in that same meeting, you're explaining to him what you're about to do. Like you're telling him, I feel like as a voice of the league, I need to have this comment about where the running back situation is. This is not a subtweet of you, Mm -hmm. but this is going to happen. If you tell him that beforehand, However reacts to it, it's fine. You're not having to play the damage control after the fact of, let's go on the yacht bus and talk for an hour about how I'm not going to give you a contract extension. Right. But real fast, Eddie, that's like hoping that Will Levis is three times as good as Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, this is Jim Ursay. Like, he's going to sit down with JT and say, hey, here's the tweet I'm about to put out. Well, but you just want to let you know beforehand. I'm not, saying it, avocado. I'm, Let's not, go. I'm not saying he needs to say, I'm going to tweet that. I'm saying his thought process, his imaging should have been shared with his running back instead of playing damage control after the fact with a tweet that I agree with you, probably dumb. Look, But he's a voice for the league. But here's the thing, man. It was so unnecessary. He doesn't need to tell JT about the tweet that's upcoming. He doesn't need to do Uh any of that. He needs to not tweet the tweet. It doesn't help anything but screw stuff up with JT. Like the CBA is what it is. He's right. He doesn't need to put it out there at all. It didn't accomplish anything. Nothing. Here's my point or that I want to make here. Even if the tweet is directed at Jonathan Taylor, there's already a, an alleged report that Taylor's request to be traded came before the tweet. And if the tweet comes after that alleged request, who cares if it is directed towards Jonathan Taylor or not? At the end of the day, the NFL is a business. Yeah. 
Jim Irsay is Jonathan Taylor's boss, and I don't think every boss out there, wherever you work, is telling every employee every single thing that's going on. Irsay has a right to tweet what he wants and doesn't want to say, and if Irsay wants to tweet it, then he can tweet it. My issue with it, though, is that he clearly feels bad about doing it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had an hour-long conversation on the yacht bus trying to clean up his own mess. Right. But who's to to say that's cleanup, though? That could or could not be the case oh eddie come on man we're connecting dots on this like well, that's not a possi- outlandish I mean, leap. it's possible he hasn't had a conversation with jonathan taylor since the formal request of a trade the timing of it all just could be just the way it is i mean it, it's not a big leap for me to think that and again i agree with brian that maybe he didn't need to tweet it but i understand why he tweeted it i still think it was dumb i just i get it but the thought of Owner tweets something dumb. Running running back gets further frustrated than he was before because Eddie mentioned it was reported that maybe the trade request came before that. But you've had a trade request made. An owner say something that now looks like he's calling out his running back, mm-hmm. and then damage control and party on the yacht bus happens. Like that's not a big leap for me to think that's not what happened there. It could or could not be. It didn't help. No matter what, whatever the timeline is, it's making things way worse. I think that's the bottom line. <laughs> Why else are you inviting Jonathan Taylor on the yacht bus? I'm telling you, the, the request for the trade went to specifically to Chris Ballard. Sure. This could be the first chance that Jim Irsay has, A, been at practice since it's a night practice. He's sure. always at the night practices. B, he was going to talk at practice. Jim Irsay is not around at every single training camp practice. Sure. So he's going to be there and he's going to talk. If this is the first real chance he's had to meet with his disgruntled player, I think that's all it is, is because the request went to sh- to Chris Ballard, so now he's sitting down with Jonathan Taylor to hear his side of it after talking with Chris. But can't we also agree that Jonathan Taylor was very upset about said tweet? Yeah, like, well, I mean we can, but Taylor but you, don't think, you don't think that was brought up at all during those conversations of hey, what are I'm you not doing saying I'm not I'm not saying that it didn't. I'm not saying that it that wasn't the case. I'm just saying that the sole reason for him going onto that bus, I don't think, is purely connected to that tweet so so where do you stand on the tweet there Eddie? i'm not saying just the tweet i'm saying it's a cleanup it's cleanup all across the board he's cleaning up the trade request he's cleaning up his tweet that's all i'm saying possibly now what was your question brian about the tweet like where do you stand on the tweet i think it was it it didn't accomplish anything yeah i think it ticked off jt good and well you get the war of words with the agent it was such a horrible idea to put that out there even if it was correct He's correct in what he said. There's a CBA in place. I don't want to hear this from the running backs. We're not redoing anything. That's all correct, but it did nothing but screw stuff up. That's where I stand. I don't know where you stand the on stuff it. Stuff was already screwed up even prior to the tweet based off of the tea leaves and reading between the lines. And the, I think the tweet just put gasoline over the fire, but I don't have a major problem with it. I just only have the problem with that Taylor's in the same situation that Najee Harris is in and in the, and in the tweet that Ursay is referring to because what Ursay said, like you and Jamie both said, it's not wrong. And if he wants to say that as the voice as a voice of the uh, league, he can. He's one of thirty two owners. Yeah, of course he can, but it doesn't help anything. It just hurts stuff. Like, what did it help? That's the question. How did it help? I, I mean, mean it, if you're looking at it right now. It's, it's it's hard to say where it mattered with Jonathan Taylor or not. But for me, if I'm Jim Mercer and why I'm sending out that tweet as a voice of the league in this scenario, 
I'm tired of all the whining and complaining from running backs. So what? You Deal sat, with you it. You sat down. Deal with you had it. a CBA. They're not getting their money, and you're just tired about them like complaining? Really? And that's why you got to fire off a tweet that does nothing but hurt your situation with Jonathan Taylor because you don't want to deal with more complaining? They're not getting paid. (laughs) And you're tired of the complaining when all the leverage is in your favor. Like, spare me, Jimbo. Like, come on, deal with some stuff. They are getting paid. They're not happy with what they're making. And I I apologize. I was saying Jimbo is Jim Irsay, but that is your nickname. I just wanted to clarify. Thank you. The way way it was said did make it feel like you were trying to add an extra hammer uh, to your return serve. No, I mean, like, would I have done it? No, but I understand why he did it. And I'm with Eddie. Like, it's... Oh. This is not why, like, for me, that sole tweet, especially because the reports are he wanted out before that tweet happened, that tweet for me is not as consequential as you feel that it is. Okay, all right, fair enough. Let's let's get back to this. All right, we'll, we'll continue this conversation. And also, what does Jim Ursay have in common with the movie The Hangover? That's on the way as well. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know one thing I hate, Jimmy, that has nothing to do with sports? I hate when I wash my hands and then I dry them off with a towel that I should have cleaned you know what I mean? It, I smell. They smell worse than before I washed them. You know what I mean? The towel was out too long. It's had too many uses on the drying rack, yeah. and you just haven't made that replacement. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. And it always slips my mind. Every time I dry my hands, I'm like, man, I need to wash that freaking towel. And then I forget every time until it's time to dry them again. It's the same circle over and over and over again. I digress, though. Let's get back to Jim Ursay here. He made a comment after the yacht bus uh, situation with Jonathan Taylor that didn't go swimmingly. Shocker. Can't believe Jim Irsay didn't massage a situation here. But uh, he said this about himself and JT. Check it out. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who who comes and who goes. Uh, you know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. And now is the time, you know, for us to do our work. It's now is the time as an organization. Okay, this made me think of The Hangover, Jimmy. Is uh, There's a part in the movie where Bradley Cooper, his response is this. It's true. Does not help. Does not help. Okay? Even though it's true, exactly what he said is true. It does not help. And that's what Jim Irsay doesn't understand. There's a difference between, like, things that are correct helping a situation and things that are correct hurting a situation. And so that's exactly what he is. He's the guy that he's Ed Helms. He's Ed Helms saying <laughs> there's probably a meth head doing unsavory things to our guy Doug right now, right? And that might be the case. That might be correct. And I feel like Bradley Cooper saying does not help, dude. Doesn't help with you saying and tweeting these things at all. That's been the the common theme. It might be correct, but it hurts things as far as the Colts and JT going forward. Again, you and I differ on the tweet, but we agree on the comment about, uh, even though, to be clear, like I'm not, some people 
nationally are just playing the if Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, then you know it won't matter. Life will go on. You played the whole clip, which is important. I mean, he he yeah. offed himself in in the start of that. Like he killed himself off and said <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is unemployed. So like I'm sure in his head it felt like you no. Know, see, I mean, it, both of us. I'm dying and he's out of the league. I mean, life will go on. And he didn't think anything of it. He probably thought it was it was very insightful and, and provocative. And and maybe it was that second one, but not for the reasons that he wanted it to be. So. Yeah, this is not he's not massaging the situation. I can tolerate one of them. I can tolerate the tweet, but now that it's snowballing into more and more public comments when all you would literally have to be doing is well, you know, Jonathan Taylor's unhappy right now. We value him as a player and uh, you know, we're 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 moving on. We're we're at training camp. We're waiting to see what he wants to do, but we're focused on the team. All you have to do is pump up the team. You don't have to kill yourself and kick Jonathan Taylor out of the league in an analogy that Again, once again, did not go the way he thought it was going to go. <laughs> there's another movie I'll borrow from. There, there's a, uh, the other guys when uh, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell are fighting with one another and the fight did not go how Mark Wahlberg thought it was. And Will Ferrell just working away like, did that go the way he thought it was going to go? Nope. Right. That nope. should be whoever is talking with Jim Irsay right now about how he's handled things the last couple of days. That's what it is. It is. Does not help. Does not help. <laughs> Does not help. Now, we're getting a flood of tweets over here. Phil Sanchez, Indie TV, huh? Love me some Phil Sanchez. I'm with Eddie on this. Another one here. Bratzu. I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I, I don't, I'm not meaning to do that on purpose. 100% agree with at Eddie Garrison underscore. I like the underscore at the end, by the way, Eddie. AKA the like underscore. Yeah, yeah, somebody took the name, so I had to add the underscore there. I like the underscore at the end. It's a, a different approach. It's nice. So uh, this guy writes, Tweet was directed at agents who are making promises to running backs like Najee Harris. Read the tweet. JT's agent likely was one of them. Also, if rumors of $16 million per year are close to accurate, Jim was squashing it. As out of line. Okay, now here's the thing. A couple of things. Why I passionately disagree with this. You kidding me? Like, yes, he's probably responding to Najee Harris. He might be responding specifically to agents. But you can't fail to overlook that JT is going to look at that like you're talking about him. You're talking about the whole running back market. Right? The entire running back market as a whole. JT is part of that. So this idea that, oh, no, no, Brian, he's just talking to Najee Harris and he's talking about agents as if JT's going to read that and be like, oh, this isn't about me at all. Like, really? That's your takeaway? That's a bad takeaway. I can't put it any other way. Like, I agree with half of that in terms of not your statement, but the tweeter's comment on it, which is that, yeah, like, I think that's what Jim Mercy was trying to do. He was trying to squash this thing. I think he was coming after everybody, not just agents. I think he was upset with players, too, that are being empowered by these mm-hmm. agents in a situation where it's like we got seven years left in the CBA like now is not the time for this and that's fine that he tweeted that again for me for my dollar on it all but the idea that Jonathan Taylor wouldn't be upset by it or wouldn't be frustrated by it or his agent who then quote tweeted that right. tweet and put Jim Mercy on blast <laughs> wouldn't be upset about it right is, is, is wrong in my mind but that said I don't think as that conversation ended that Eddie and I were too far apart, but Eddie just thinks that maybe it was a full circle meeting, yep. not just that tweet. And I'm willing to concede that, yeah, it probably was a full circle meeting, but what Brian is referring to 
like I don't think it was just that. I think it was everything. I think it was I agree with you on that side. If it maybe it wasn't just that tweet, it was the trade request, it was the whole mess that we're in right now, it was a contract negotiation, potentially whether that's not gonna happen or not, and it was the tweet. I think it was all of it, and adding fuel to the fire, which is Brian's point, didn't help things for Jim Ursay in that regard. Yeah. You got, you got something here, Eddie? I just want to say that there are so many misleading reports out there right now on what the number is that Jonathan Taylor and his agent wants. Because right. let's predate this, because back when Taylor reopened his you know free agency, I guess, for an agent, it was between uh, the guy that he has now and Drew Rosenhaus, who is like the NFL guru. Let's look at this current agent. He has Shaq Leonard and Titus Howard as his two headliners in the NFL. You're like, okay, Shaq, and then who? He's an offensive lineman. So, first of all here, the agent is where this really gets screwed up because there's a report coming out today that Jonathan Taylor and his agent were seeking 20-plus million dollars annually. Not going to happen. Who believes that? That's why I said, allegedly, a report out here that is around $20 million annually. But after all this happened on Saturday, there was a report, I think it was by Josina Anderson. If, If not, then I have the wrong have the wrong reporter that it was about $16 million is what the number that Jonathan Taylor and his reps are wanting. And I still go back to this. He's coming off a season where he's hurt. The fact that his agent thought he would be able to to secure a big, big bag like this because of the lack of knowledge he has with the dealing with, uh, with general managers and owners in the NFL I think is a large part of the reason why Jonathan Taylor is in the situation that he's in sure. instead of going with the guy who's proven and he's respected across the NFL. Well, listen, as far as the contract, timing matters. If you compare it to the quarterback market, Justin Herbert just got a huge contract. Joe Burrow, who's up next, he's going to get a bigger contract mm-hmm. if that's what he's seeking. Right. Right? That's the way it goes. With running backs, it's the opposite conveyor belt. It's going in the reverse order, you know, where Saquon doesn't get a long term deal, Josh Jacobs doesn't get one. It's not like JT is going to get the long term contract and the money around 16 mil where Christian McCaffrey is getting. That's not where the running back market is right now. It's just going the opposite way. So I, I just don't think they're that out of touch with reality. To want that number. Who knows? I don't know what the number is. If it's 16, that's a more reasonable, not to be clear, not to pay him, but if I saw that figure from Ian Rappaport, like if, if, if someone of high stature said the 16 million a year was the conversation they had, I could believe an agent would ask for that. I think they're outside their mind because that's Christian McCaffrey money. And whether you think Jonathan Taylor can be good in the passing game or not, he's not utilized that way. Ergo, he does not have that type of resume point of can also dominate in a passing game. Like that, that's not an extra selling point to overpay for him. But if it was 16 million, again, I think it's way too high and he's not getting that anywhere. But that's at least top of market versus a $20 million number. If that winds up being true, that's not even getting you in the parking lot of a discussion. But here's the thing is like it comes back to the experience of the agent because you have Jonathan Taylor feeling like he is a top five running back in the National Football sure. League. And you decide to go with a guy who has not really proven that he can secure big contracts other than the Shaq Leonard contract. To me, I think the, the misstep here with Jonathan Taylor was not signing with Drew Rosenhaus because Rosenhaus would have shot him straight and he probably would have gotten a deal done. Well, and that's the thing. I'd have to go back because Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey were in the same draft class. 
went fourth and eighth, I believe, respectively. Nice. I have to throw that in there. Yep, yep, yep. Um, they might have gotten their contract extensions in the same offseason. I have to go back and check, but the timing matters. You know what I mean? Where If you think about McCaffrey and you're doing the Jonathan Taylor side-by-side, side, a couple of things, you look at McCaffrey, yards from scrimmage, he's got three seasons over 1,800, three of them. Mm-hmm. One was almost 2,400. <laughs> His best year 2019 is insane. Then you look at the catches, 80, 107, 116, 85 last season, We combined with the Panthers and the Niners. So we're talking about throwing the ball, catching the ball. It's more valued. Like You're not getting 16 mil a year like Christian McCaffrey no. did. That, that's just not going to happen. But I think what, what's more important, this is what I want to do coming up next, the perspective here. I would encourage you not to look at this situation through your eyes as a fan, media member, what have you. Look at them through Jonathan Taylor's eyes. And that's where I want to go back to the tweet, the comments, all that stuff. It matters. So we'll change the perspective coming up next. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Here on the fan, okay, a little bit of bookkeeping. Else I won't be able to sleep at night. Props to Eddie Garrison. Crack research here. So, in 2019, Ezekiel Elliott signed his contract, that six-year, $90 million deal. The next year in 2020, that's when Christian McCaffrey Mm. signed his big deal. Now, I thought that they were the same draft class. Jimmy, I was mistaken. It's all right. Ezekiel Elliott was in the 2016 class, Christian McCaffrey the next year in the 2017 draft class. So my apologies to Jack Conklin, the uh, Titans tackle, who went eighth overall in Ezekiel Elliott's <laughs> draft class. My bad on that one. So, uh, yeah. Hey, we, but, f- we forgive you. I tipped the cap for, for you owning it. Good, yeah, good, good work. the record is set straight. But the point still remains is Zeke gets a big deal. Then another top running back, Christian McCaffrey, gets a big deal. It's working the opposite way here and now. For Jonathan Taylor, Saquon doesn't get a big deal. You know, Josh Jacobs doesn't get a big deal. He's then not going to get a big deal himself. That's just where we're at. That's reality, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's just another aspect of it is the league has adapted to the point of they've seen big money contracts go to running backs that are in that higher age range, like 25, 26 area, versus with John Taylor where he's at right now, 24 years old, you've seen those two contracts play out and teams are now like, well, maybe we don't need to do four, five, six years, $90 million to break the bank on a running back. Maybe we should instead utilize the tag for what it's worth or get younger, find a back in the fourth round, the fifth round and move on and move on from the asset. And it's just, it's the, it's a sad state of affairs. I feel bad for running backs. I do, but it, That's sports. Like teams are either going by committee, they're using more pass catchers, they're getting more athletic and using wide receivers as running back for for jet sweeps or other type of play designs. And the position is somewhat being outfaced. Right. No, that's where we're at. I also want to do this when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. I feel like this is really important because there are a lot of comments about uh, Ursay's tweet about the running back market as a whole. 
And they're saying, he's right. If he wants to put that out there, he's right. That's a comment from your own point of view, okay? If you look at this through Jonathan Taylor's eyes, okay? Like, put yourself in those shoes. You're trying to get paid. You've battled. Back from injury, you had an 1,800-plus rushing season two years ago. You feel like you're not being shown your true value. And on top of that, your fellow running backs are underpaid as well. You're frustrated. You were angry on a Zoom call with all these running backs that are disgruntled. And now, all of a sudden, the Colts team owner, Jim Irsay, he puts it out there on Twitter. Hey, just regarding this running back situation, there's a CBA in place. Deal with it. That's the long and short of it. That's why JT's agent comes out and it's bad faith is not paying your top playmaker and I don't know that this situation can be resolved. They're frustrated because not only are they not getting what they think they deserve, the owner is saying, deal with it. Tough noogies. Like that, you have to put yourself in those shoes to feel what that feels like and what fuels the frustration. It's not as simple as, Oh, he's right, so what's the big deal? You would not be looking at it that way if you were the one affected by it. No, I wouldn't. And I would do exactly what John and Taylor has done to this point, minus, you know, calling out people on Twitter and, you know, the whole thing yesterday with that just bugs me, the Mike Chappell thing. I've already addressed my piece on it, but like I I Chap's not just gonna tweet something out there, share a story out there unless he's vetted everything they needed to vet. So that bugged me. But outside of that, I get it. You demand a trade. Your agent's frustrated. He he decides to go into a war of words on Twitter as well. And that is your stance now. If maybe he's not going to be there by the time week one happens, if you're Jonathan Taylor. But I can also, and a lot of people, when they finally have that happen to them, they have a hard time looking forward or looking at past examples. You and I have that luxury. If I'm Jonathan Taylor, I also need to look around. And despite the fact I'm mad about all this, my options for an out here are non-existent. I've played all my cards. I've done everything I can at this point. It's either the Colts are going to trade me, assuming the non-injury list thing doesn't happen. Either the Colts are going to trade me, or it's on me to report by week one, or I'm going to start getting penalized financially. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You could look at other examples. Think about Jamal Adams just popped into my head. Remember the former Jets safety? And he forced his way out and eventually got traded to the Seahawks. But he he went on a full-blown Twitter spree. You remember that? Yes, I do. Where he's calling out Woody Johnson. And, like, I'm really – I'm just trying to think outside the box. What could Jonathan Taylor realistically do? We get the reports at training camp when, you know, he's uh, wearing, a, you know, the, the sweatshirt, the hood's up. He's just staring off into space, basically. Like, maybe I, – I don't know. You could make things awkward. You could tweet – Right, you know, like fight fire with fire. If you wanted to do that, I, I I don't know, and you might not be willing to do that. Not everybody wants to just be the bad guy in this yeah. full out attack to try to get what you want or or force your way out. Uh, it, there are not many sexy options, unfortunately. By the way, how about this too? And we got non JT news. Anthony Richardson not at practice on Monday. You see about this? I he did. was there. Surgery, he was there. Surgery, but not participating. Um, undergoing nose surgery, Jimmy, is what happened here. He is uh, undergoing a procedure to correct a nasal septum. This is what's going on. Nose surgery. I mean, I saw out-of-practice surgery. I'm like, what is it? Yeah. Nose surgery. 
No surgeries. Yeah, that that also made me jump. I'm sure it made Colts fans jump a little bit as well. But it, again, the, the report in general is that mispractice today, and then depending on how he feels, be back tomorrow. So it's it's whatever. Like I, this doesn't scare me as much as you know when you hear, yeah, we had to we had to clean up some stuff in his oh, knee or something yeah. like that. Like yeah, that, yeah. that 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 bugged me more than that. It's just a procedure on his nose. It's all good. Yeah, yeah just a minor cleanup with Jalen Ramsey. Oh, he might be out till December. Yeah. That's yeah. That's. That's fine. Go that it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it could be that. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald. He covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. A lot to discuss with Charles. What does he think about this whole Jonathan Taylor fiasco, where it stands right now, and beyond that, when it comes to the NFL as a whole? That's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Charles McDonald, covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. You know, Charles, we are knee-deep in this Jonathan Taylor situation with the trade request and Jim Mersey tweeting and saying things that don't help at all, even though they might be correct. We need something. We just need a breath over here. Is there something great that happened over the weekend for you or something great in your life? Where we, we could just be like, ah, that's nice, and it puts us in a different frame of mind here. Um, I don't know. Oh, I, I went to Ravens camp this week. So that was uh, that was pretty fun. They're not having like you know uh, extreme discourse over what to do with the <laughs> best player. Uh, they they just got on the other end of that. And actually, I can say it feels pretty good to be on the other other end. Of that the vibes are good at Ravens practice. Lamar's paid. Uh, all the guys are adjusted to the new coaching staff. So. Yeah, that was that was a really positive experience for me. Much more fun than what's going on in Indianapolis. Man, no doubt. Well, this would be the opposite, as, as we, you well know, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Uh, what do you make of the whole situation, and how much do you think Jim Irsay, the tweet, the, the follow-ups, uh, some of the comments where the league's not going to miss Jonathan Taylor when he's gone, how much do you think Jim Irsay has hurt this overall situation? Um... <laughs> I mean, we like it's like pouring gasoline on the fire. I, I don't really understand what he's doing. Uh, and you know, it, Jim, Jim's the, the the thing with Jim is like all of this stuff is so unnecessary. You know, no no one needs to be out here uh, saying like the. Well, I don't I don't remember exactly what he said about. Uh, I think he said if he if Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor both died, then the Earth would keep spinning. Like, yeah, it's true, I guess, but I don't I don't know what that has to do with negotiating a contract for 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 Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah, it's it's true the the National Football League will go on no matter what happens here, but that's not really relevant to the situation. And all it does is. Uh, you know, all it, all it does is, uh, is is alienate one of your best players and one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, and look, I understand why we're 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 in this position. You know, we we we've had the summer of Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs trying to get their deals from their teams. Uh, so it, it it it's easy to see like why we're here. But uh, I I don't understand why Jim Irsay is is handling it in this manner. Um, and you know, I I, I kind of feel like the Colts. They are one of the few teams that like could afford to pay a running back like right now because think about it you're you're potentially five years away from an Anthony Richardson deal. I would assume that by the time those five years are up, Jonathan Taylor will probably be out 
like on his way out of the league anyway. So, uh, I, in some respects, I feel like we swung a little bit too hard in the other direction. You know, I don't. I, I would just like to see where paying Jonathan Taylor like a thirteen million dollar year contract for a couple of years, like where would it cripple your team in a way that's like insurmountable? Because you know, even even like the high end, the high end extension numbers on these guys is not not really high compared to, to other positions. You know, we're talking about thirteen million dollars. It's like a, a starting caliber guard these days. It's not even a super upper echelon guard. So, you know, the money has gotten so low that I tend to think there's kind of like a little market inefficiency there where if you can keep Jonathan Taylor for the price that uh for the price that it that it that it, that you know you could potentially sign him at, I don't really think that's a big deal. And I think that Jim Irsay is making all of this worse by just kind of saying things that don't make any sense right now. Charles, this is kind of a two-parter because you threw a figure out there. If the figure is $16 million a year, is that an overpay for you, reasonable on a rookie contract, or is that ludicrous? I mean, to me, it just depends on the years, right? Because the years are where you, where you start to get in trouble. Uh, we all know that running back is a insanely physically demanding position to pay and play. And part of the reason, when you look at where Saquon Barkley is in his deal and his issue with the Giants is if he could have hit free agency a couple of years ago, I'm sure that this would this would look a whole, di- a whole lot different for him where uh, now you're looking at it where he has five years of uh, contract controls from the NFL draft and then another year controlled from a franchise tag. By the time he can actually hit free agency, you know, you're talking about six, seven years played uh, for, you know, one of the, the premier running backs in the league. Obviously, that's going to be something that's not worth as much as it was um, a few years ago. So, it, it, in a way, that's a problem that's unique to first-round running backs, but it, it does apply here, right? Because once Jonathan Taylor's contract is up uh, after the season, then uh, he can be a guy that gets hit with the franchise tag until – it doesn't make sense, but like if we're talking about a sixty million dollar contract, um, you know, to me, it's, it's just all about the years because Christian McCaffrey was getting paid uh, about that much from the Forty ers and it worked out, you know, because they were paying nothing to their quarterback situation. And, I, and obviously, you know, I think the Anthony Richardson contract is probably a little bit more, maybe, than what you're paying Trey Lance and Brock Purdy at this point, but. Uh, Still, the same. It's the same function. You know, you can afford to have an extreme playmaker on your team like Christian McCaffrey because uh, you have your quarterback situation kind of figured out for cheap right now. Which I thought was the whole point of having a rookie quarterback. You know, you get to maximize other portions of the roster that you might not be able to when you you pay them. So you have Anthony Richardson on this contract. That means you should be able to see what it looks like to have Jonathan Taylor with him for the long term because we know if that if that duo right there is maximized, that's an automatic like top five rushing offense for let's call it the next two or three years. Uh like I said, I think we've just kind of strung a little bit too far in the opposite way. But if you could get Jonathan Taylor on, you know, let's call it a two or three year contract for, you know, uh, Thirty-two to forty-eight million dollars, and you know, with the way the NFL contracts are structured, it's not like he's going to be seeing all that money, anyways. It's just a little bit bizarre that we've swung so hard in the other way that guys as good as Jonathan Taylor and guys as good as Saquon Barkley can't get a deal at all. He's Charles McDonald from Yahoo Sports talking some NFL. What do you think the uh, the trade market looks like? For Jonathan Taylor, what teams might be interested in not just paying him, but giving up some type of draft pick in the process? 
Oh, it's tough. But I, I, I don't know if this is a pro- if this is a, a an issue that's like singular to Jonathan Taylor. It's really just a function of any star player that has been in position um, in terms of the timing of his contract, right? Because if you're a team that wants to trade for Jonathan Taylor, it's a double asset situation that you have to give up. It's not just uh, the draft pick that you would trade for him, but it's also the new contract on top of that. Uh, so you know, if you're if you're going to be looking to trade for him, you, you have to be certain that he would resign with you because if you trade for him and you're one of these teams that is really iffy about paying a running back like that, then you've put yourself in the same position as the Colts and you have lost a draft pick um, trying to figure that spot out for yourself. So I'm a I, I don't I don't really know like what the the compensation should be, but I can say this. And this is part of the the conundrum that like Austin Eckler found himself in with the Chargers. The Colts like you're not going to give up Jonathan Taylor for nothing. Yeah. As 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 far you know as big as a, a, a conversation that you can be had about um, you know running back values and, and paying running backs, we all know that when Jonathan Taylor is at his best on the field, that's obviously a player that you would like to be a part of your franchise, and, and it would be hard to to let him go for, for even like, you know, if you were, if you were to trade away Jonathan Taylor for a third round pick, I, I imagine there would be some people disappointed about that, even if you didn't have the plans to, to keep him around for the long term. So it's, it's a tricky situation that running backs find themselves in where, you know, you're, you're too valuable to be let go by your own team, but also not valued enough to get traded for and also not valued enough to get uh, the, the, the job security that you're, that you're going for. Um, it's, it's a tough situation because I think that, and look, it, it, this is this is this is, you know, collectively bargained by the union and the, and the team. So it's not just um, an owner's problem. It's it's a it's an everybody problem. Uh, it, it, it's it's just got to be frustrating to see, uh, you know, your your team, your team they they don't want to let you go because obviously you provide a whole lot of value, but they'll just sit here and say, all right, franchise tag, franchise tag until you can't play anymore and that your career is over before you know it. How much blame, if at all, Charles, should be placed on the Players Association for not having the foresight to see what was happening with running backs, if, if at all? Uh, I think they should have a ton of blame for this. Uh, this, is, this, is not, this is not a new thing that's new to this CBA, because remember, mm-hmm. Le'Veon, Bell, Le'Veon yes. Bell went through this before. Yep. The, the, they did the, re, the, they redid the CBA um, with the, the COVID season, so... I, I think they they should they deserve a whole lot of blame because this is an issue that was ongoing while they negotiated the last one, uh, and to me, it's unconscionable that you can give up a 17th game and not get anything like super substantial in return. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they're going to say, okay, well, we would like you to play 17 games, that's a big ask, and I think that's a big enough ask where you can say, fine, in return we would like the franchise tag repealed. And that's what some of these negotiations have to be, but they didn't really get anything in return. And now, 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 now think about, okay, well, it, it's twofold, right? Because the guys who are playing right now, it's 2023. By the time you can negotiate the next CBA, it's going to be 2030. I, I don't imagine that any of these guys that are stuck in this predicament right now will still be playing in the league seven years from now. So I think that's part of the frustration that they're seeing. They, they kind of, watch their window to get this problem fixed pass by and then it's going to be the next generation's problem uh and now the, the second point is what are you going to have to give up in 2030 that you haven't given up already to get that franchise tax done is it going to be an 18th mm. game that's i i look i don't think that that's far off from the possibilities here 
but I do think that they need to get serious about their ability to hit the market earlier. Uh, it, it, it's 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 crazy, but you know the the biggest thing here with the Jonathan Taylor stuff is Jim, just stop, just cool it, man. Like, <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it's just so out of touch because you know I, I, how, how would anyone feel if their boss was out there saying stuff like this about them? Well, you know. Yeah, Charles would like to get paid, but nothing's going to matter if we all die. What, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really weird what's going on over there now. Dude, you and I are on the exact same page when it comes to that. How, what gets this to swing the other way? If you look at the running back market as a whole, Charles, is there anything that's realistic where you always hear you don't have a, a top rusher, like win a Super Bowl? What would it take that's – like, within reason, that could at least boost the value overall of the running back position. Maybe not by leaps and bounds, but just gets it heading in the right financial direction. <sighs> Nothing, really. I don't yeah. think there's anything they can do. Because like I said, this, this, is, this, is a, this is a collectively barking contract between the players in the league, so there is nothing they can do. Uh, but hopefully they can get it right in 2030 and the kids who are, you know, thinking about going to prom and who they're going to ask next year, they will have the say in the next CBA. So I, uh, there's nothing we can do right now. Hopefully they get it right in seven years. What, what do you think happens with current free agent running backs that are on the back end of this vicious cycle, like Ezekiel Elliott, like Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, what happens with those backs? Is it just they've now had to reevaluate their situation and maybe they wind up on a shorter one-year contract, four or five million dollars? Is it waiting for injuries to pile up at camp? What do you think happens with some of the big names that are out there because of cuts that have happened? All the above. You're, 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 because here's the thing, though. I was literally talking to an agent about this last night. If you were trying to – we were just talking about like a Jonathan Taylor trade. Where are you placing him? Because most of these teams, like, they feel good about where their running backs are. And that's also a big part of the problem. There's a huge supply and demand of these guys. Um, it's not too difficult to find someone who can, like, hold the fort down for a year or two and then you move on. Uh, so I, I'm not really sure where, where you start placing these guys. And that's going to affect the guys who are free agents right now, too. So if you're Ezekiel Elliott or, you know, Dalvin Cook, you might have his situation handled out here before the end of the week with the Jets. Um, but if you're, you know, someone like Kareem Hunt or Ezekiel Elliott, one of those guys, you're probably just waiting for someone to get hurt or for someone to get, or for teams to get in the camp and play their first preseason games and say, okay, we thought we were okay running back, but we're not. So let's get someone in here real quick. who has a little bit more experience. Um, that's really all you can wait for at this point, because like I said, there's so many running backs that are capable of doing this job. Do you think Dalvin Cook being a free agent, right now also hurts JT? If I'm a team and I'm thinking I just have to sign Dalvin, I don't have to trade for the guy, do you think that hurts JT's position also? Well, yeah, because I think the teams are, are looking at running backs as more disposable than anything. So, you know, when we've seen some of these trades for for, you know, big-time players, you know, I'm thinking like the Rams. Look what the Rams have done with Jalen Ramsey and, and Matthew Stafford in previous years where you know, you, you trade two first-round picks and then you you give a market rate contract on top of that. I think for most teams, that's an easier sell for non-running back positions because, you know, that's the spot that, that JT finds himself in. A team will have to trade for him. 
And they're going to need a commitment on the other side that they can work out a long-term deal because uh, you can't be giving up assets just to have them walk away uh, in free agency or, or get into the tag game. That's not really – I don't think where any of these guys want to be uh, if you're going to execute a trade. So, I don't know. I, 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 I think he's kind of stuck. And, unfortunately, another thing that happened in the last CBA is – they they kind of lost the ability to hold out, right? Because unless you're you're in a financial position, which I I would struggle to think that just about anyone is, you're going to be losing five or you know fifty thousand dollars a day that you don't show up to training camp. You know, right now Zach Martin's eating those fines, but he's already gotten paid a handful of times. Jonathan Taylor, he's not someone who should be doing that. That's some pretty. That, I would I would say that would be bad financial advice to burn fifty thousand dollars a day that you don't show up. Uh, to camp, so even like his 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 recourse here to try and get something done, he doesn't have a whole lot of power. So you're stuck. You you, you just are. I mean, do you guys remember when Deshaun Watson was going through his thing with the Texans and you know all of the the allegations that popped up, and we knew he wasn't going to play, but he still showed up to training camp, and they had him playing like you know uh, scout team safety and stuff like that. That's because if he didn't show up. Even though he knew no one was going, even though he knew he wasn't going to trade for the, the play for the Texans that year, he was going to lose fifty thousand dollars a day. So in, that, in a situation like that, he still had to be around the team. So I would imagine Jonathan Taylor still shows up. Maybe it's like a, a little hold-in situation where uh, he doesn't practice with the team while they sort this thing out. But uh, I'm not sure how you can get back to kind of a healthy working relationship here because. Jim Irsay's best course of action after all that he said now is to kind of just strong arm him and to wait him, wait him out until he goes back to practice so he can start getting his game checks. It's a, it's a nasty business. Man, it is nasty, defined, no doubt about that. Charles McDonald, great stuff, dude. Good to talk ball with you, and uh, I'm glad you had a good weekend to perk us up just a little bit before we dove back into the JT stuff. That's right. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Charles. All right, man. There he is, Charles McDonald. Covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. He's so on point with Jim Mersey. <laughs> I just wrote down a couple of notes. Pouring gas on the fire. I don't understand what he's doing. It's so unnecessary. It is. And then I love at the end, just stop. Just cool it. And he's right. Everybody would feel the same way JT is feeling if your boss was saying the same things. It just makes it so much worse what he's doing. I, I don't know. Really, uh, Jimmy, is he's either just trying to be right and not really thinking about where the chips are going to fall, or uh, I don't know what's going through his head. If he's really trying to make the situation better, you know, like he's having the yacht bus discussion with JT, he's trying to make it better, yet he'll make these statements or put out these tweets that make things far worse. doesn't make any sense. Again, I'm fine... And I can stomach one of these things that have happened. And I chose that the tweet was my thing where it's okay. You, you didn't need to do it, but all right, that's fine. I, I kind of get where you're going with that or why you did it. I'm completely but, against I know, you on that. I, I, know, that, you that, I, I, yeah. I know you are, but, but you and I are in agreement of the idea of it all being a full snowball. Like the, the quotes to the media, the text yeah. to Albert Breer, we are not trading him today or tomorrow or in October. The uh, if I die and John and Taylor's out of the league, life will go on. I am mad at his decision making when you combine all of them. I'd still be frustrated with the tweet, but if that was it, 
That was the only thing that happened was that tweet about the running back market. And then he had the meeting on the yacht bus and didn't really say anything that was that could be misconstrued. Like maybe he thought he was in the right when he said the whole, yeah, I could die and we could cut John and Taylor and everything would be fine. Maybe he thought that was a nice thing he was saying. I don't know. Uh, it, it's everything that's added up to it that's my larger issue why he view is in the wrong. Because if it's just the one tweet and it's nothing else, I still think that's fine. bad. I don't think it's I don't think it's good. All. To be clear, I don't think it's good, but I think you can salvage it. But now that you've mm. attempted to salvage it by making the quotes to the media that you've done and the fact that we're not trading him, now I feel like it's, I don't want to say too far gone, but now it's a massive mess that didn't have to be. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes <laughs> into sausage, but I do know how to build a football team. I don't know about that. Uh, he doesn't know how to massage situations. That's a big part of building a football It's a contractor's team. job. You're good. You're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, look, if it was just the tweet and the tweet alone, that is a whole mess you have to clean up. Sure. It really is because the agent went right back at him immediately right? because it is. It wasn't, I truly believe it wasn't aimed at being disrespectful to JT. But JT's going to take it that way. I would take it that way. But if you shift it in a different direction, something that's always wild to me too, Jimmy, is if you look at the NFL, sometimes these teams will just tell their players no yeah. who asked to be traded. Like Jim Mersey came out after the trade request and said, we're not trading Jonathan. End of discussion. Not now and not in October. Like, hard pass. Yep. You think about... Aaron Rodgers just a couple of years ago. This is 2021, the offseason. Aaron Rodgers told Mark Murphy, the president, he was like, trade me or fire the GM, Brian Gutekunst. And Mark Murphy's like, yeah, we're not going to do either. <laughs> it was just like, okay, <laughs> on with life. But the NBA... That's what I was talking about earlier, exactly. Oh, it's a different planet. It's, it's a completely so different. different sports planet. And I don't understand why they buckle every time. Where Put it this way. If Tyrese Halliburton said, trade me, I want out of here. Like almost every single time it's like, oh, oh okay, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll try to work it out. For Damian Lillard with the Blazers, he requested to be traded. If the Blazers just found it in their best interest to say, no, you're under contract, they think it's in their best interest, and it is actually, to move on. They're not yeah. in a position to compete. But if they thought it made sense to keep him, they still would buckle. Like, it always goes that way. And I don't understand why some NBA teams don't say, no, you're under contract. Not everybody is going to be like James Harden, who pouts on the court, gains a bunch of weight, dogs it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not everybody would do that. Yet almost every NBA team thinks that's the way it would go. It's weird to me how it's so different in the NBA and NFL. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is just the, the culture of the two leagues. It's clearly, and I don't know from a, I haven't compared the CBAs, but just the way that stuff like that happens so quickly, it's clear that that, that is a player league. Like, yes, the owners have power, but the players often dictate what happens and where they go. The second they want to be moved, the second they want out, usually something will be done to make that move happen. I will say, though, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes when you see the trade that occurred to get rid of the player, more often than not, it feels like in the NBA, given the circumstances, you're like, okay, like I get the return that they got. In the NFL, if like for right now in this situation, you tried to trade Jonathan Taylor with that specific position group, you're not getting the type of like when the Pacers traded Paul George, you're not getting 
two players that could develop into starters or could be starters. You're getting two likely throwaway picks that the team are viewing them as. Yeah. If that, it's it just it's not just the player personnel standpoint. It's the way players are valued, and particularly at the running back position right now. Even and it's because the roster spots are so much smaller. Even centers, old school centers that don't have a real place in the NBA anymore other than minutes eaters or or being a a second body off the bench, you can still see big money contracts by comparison to what a running back would make. But a lot of that, again, is because you're only having to pay 15, 16 guys versus an entire roster, entire 52-man roster you have to worry about in the NFL. Well, it's just strange because I completely agree with Najee Harris. He had a good argument. Derrick Henry did not. <laughs> Maybe at the end of the show, we'll get to one of the worst arguments I've ever heard in my entire life from Derrick Henry about the running back position as a whole. But Najee Harris, the Steelers running back, was completely on point. He said, running backs are valued everywhere but at the negotiating table. And that's exactly right. Like They still get their touches. They still get their yards. They still get their touchdowns. And yet they're just not getting paid. It's crazy. Think about this, too. Joel Erickson mentioned it. Because I said, listen, we hear all this stuff about don't pay running backs. It doesn't make sense to give them extensions, yada, yada, yada. But what would it mean for the Colts if Jonathan Taylor's played his final down? And he's like, oh, it would be a huge loss. And he's right. It would be a huge loss. So it's just crazy to me, Jimmy, that we can live in the same world where we say, don't pay these running backs for X, Y, and Z, wear and tear, declining, blah, 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 blah. Like, Jonathan Taylor's 24 years old. He's young. He's been in the league for three years. Still has a lot of tread on the tire. And he can't get paid. And yet, if he's gone, it would be a big deal. It would make a huge impact. That just, it doesn't add up at all. It's just where the market is. They don't get paid Anything close to what the production is for the top guys. And it's it's just crazy that both things are true. It, to me, though, the reason that they're not valued at the negotiating table is because you can find maybe not the same clone 2021 Jonathan Taylor, but you can find a comparable running back, as Charles pointed out, that can hold down the fort for a year or two until you figure out what's next at that position. Far easier than you can if a number one wide receiver walked out the door. Like that, like they they're right. They're valued on the field because running backs still matter in NFL offense, but they're not matter as much as the other position because they're disposable. They are. Well, look at this. Okay, look at some of the top running backs. Okay, Nick Chubb with the Browns. You think if Nick Chubb isn't there, Jerome Ford is doing what Nick Chubb does? There's no chance. He's even close. Like Christian McCaffrey with the Niners and that offense. Right? We know the system, and you can be. Plug and play, and these guys can be productive. You think Elijah Mitchell, who's injury prone, he's doing what Christian McCaffrey's doing? You know what I mean? Or Matt Breida backing up Saquon Barkley, you know? Like, it's just, I get what you're saying. You might find something that's, like, not leaps and bounds behind those guys. But oftentimes, we paint this picture of, eh, just shrug your shoulders, get a sixth rounder, he'll do what Nick Chubb does. It's like, that's not true at all. But but that's why, and Eddie went a little bit too strong with this point earlier. I don't blame Chris Bauer for using a second round pick on, on Jonathan Taylor because you still see running backs go in the second round and be productive. But a step forward to that to build off of Eddie's point, that's why people make a big deal about running backs going in the first round anymore because you can find equal or close to value in the third round, in the fourth round, in the fifth round for running backs to the point that it's like, you're right, Brian, 
in the short term, in one year, no, more than likely a backup running back is not going to do what your starting caliber running back did. But you can rather easily, assuming you have a competent front office, find an answer or a competent answer to that within one offseason because of how much turnover there is at that position. To me, if you're drafting a running back, it has to be first round or fourth. There's no between simply because if you draft him in the first, he's a perennial talent and you have control of that player for six years. You have the five-year contract because you have the four guaranteed years fifth-year option, and a tag. So you've got six years of control. So if you feel like like the Detroit Lions did with Jameer Gibbs, if you feel like this guy is a true game-changer, you draft him in the first round. You don't draft him in the second round. You don't draft him in the third round. You need to draft players at more impactful positions in that spot of the draft. I disagree, man. Yeah, like I, Nick Chubb is a second-round pick. He's huge for the Browns. I'll never forgive but the Chiefs. What have they won? It's not on him. But but, but that but that that's, <laughs> that's a, the caveat they, to they all of this. They haven't had a quarterback. Like that's the thing is, it's automatically the star running back's position that the team isn't winning. They had Deshaun Watson for what six games right. last season. No, I'm not saying it's his fault they're not winning. But I'm saying is that all of the top running backs in the National Football League, what do they all have in common? They don't impact winning, other yes, than Christian McCaffrey. Other no- than other than Christian McCaffrey, none of those guys impact winning. It's so false. It's so wrong. Like you can't tell me a guy like Nick Chubb doesn't impact winning. He or or if, if you took Christian McCaffrey off the Niners, if you took Derrick Henry off the Titans, like that's not going to impact wins or losses. The, the Titans still won without Derrick Henry. The, I, I want. I want. To and clear- I said the only. I said the only running back would be McCaffrey. By the way, and I, I guess you could throw in Kamara, but those are the only two guys. I re- I mean, the only reason I'm not uh, the way the silence there. I, I know we got to go to break <laughs> exactly because there's to layers to it. Like I agree yeah. with Eddie in terms of championship caliber football. If he's saying that a quarterback is far more important than a running back to like contending yeah. for a Super Bowl, I agree with that. But there's a lot of teams that don't have the quarterback that build around a wide receiver or a running back, and that can make or break things for them at times. But I'm not willing to go as extreme as Eddie is that the running top running backs right. don't matter to wins and losses. That's what I mean is like there's a, there's a gap in between. Yes. So certainly running backs are not as valuable as quarterbacks. That doesn't mean they're not valuable at all. Like there's no value. It doesn't mean that. And sometimes we take it to that extreme. We've got Jeff Schwartz around the corner. He'll have some thoughts on this. Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM. What does he think from a player's point of view? If he steps in the shoes of Jonathan Taylor, what might he be thinking with Ursay's rampage going scorched earth? Uh, that's on the way. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Do any gambling on vacation there, Jimmy? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did do some gambling. I had some bets placed before I got to uh, South Carolina because oh, nice. they don't have it uh, legalized uh, there just yet. Working on it, but but not yet. So Betting in advance. Got to be prepared. <laughs> Got to be. So what did you get in on? Uh, I, I placed, um, I can't remember what the wager was, but I placed something on the Women's World Cup with Team USA because I knew that match was going to happen there. And then I think I... Place like maybe oh I know what I did I did a couple futures for the open uh, or not futures but you oh, know wow. live bets of of winners for the open 
Did it pay off at all? Uh, it did on the open side of things, but it wasn't as good of juice had I bet it uh, the start. I think I got it at plus 220, I think. Yeah, okay, not so, bad. A little bit. It was It was, It was. was fine. Um, but yeah, I wish... Uh, that is a thing now. I don't know if that increases my level of degeneracy or if it's just a normal thing, even if you're a casual betting fan. If I'm going on vacation, I do check to see if it's legal there or not to know <laughs> if I need to prepare to get some future bets in or not. That That's when you know. <laughs> You're you're heavily invested here. It's okay. I'm driving to Colorado. Is it legal in Iowa? Just in case there's something that piques my interest. Yeah. Uh, how about this too? We were talking about the differences between the NFL and NBA when trade requests are made. When you look at Aaron Rodgers, think about this, Jimmy. Aaron Rodgers asked to be traded in April of 21. That's after an MVP season. He plays the most important position. In football, maybe sports, I think it is. Um, and the, the Packers just said, no. No, we're not trading you, and we're not firing the GM. So there's that. And, and Rodgers came back and won another MVP. Um, and, and so you compare that to the NBA and these teams. I realize they're different sports. I realize they're at different dynamics. But we're looking at a quarterback, a reigning MVP quarterback, Who's won a Super Bowl and three MVPs at that time? And they just said no. And yet NBA teams are like, you want to be traded? Oh, okay, 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 okay. We want to see what Jeff We'll have Schwartz. it done by tonight. We'll be good. Yeah, yeah, we'll have it done. Just hopefully it benefits us. If not, no biggie. Whatever. We'll get you out of here. Jeff Schwartz is with us. Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM. Uh, Jeff, first things first. What do you think about this whole situation, this ongoing soap opera between Colts running back Jonathan Taylor and the organization, most notably the team owner, Jim Mersey. Um, it feels like par for the course a little bit with the discussion right now, right, where the running back thinks they're valued a certain, a certain number, and then the, um, the ownership is like, no, nah, we're not paying you, right? And it just feels like it's escalated more because the owner is so vocal in, in Indianapolis. Right? I mean, the Giants owners don't talk at all, so you didn't get much of that with Saquon Barkley and the Giants ownership, right? You, you didn't get that with Mark Davis and Josh Jacobs and – but you have an owner who's just so public and so willing to give his opinion about about the subject that you have this back and forth. And obviously, the, the new dilemma is this, you know, non-football injury. And you know, Jonathan Taylor, I know, tweeted last night said that's not true. And so, where's that coming from? Right? Is that part of the, the Jim Irsay plan to get him to agree to basically come in uh, and play this year with with no extension? So. It feels par for the course with an owner who is very vocal and uh, willing to give his opinion about anything. Jeff, we had Charles McDonald on earlier. He covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. I got his perspective on this question. For you as a former player, I want to get your perspective on it as well. With this running back situation, we had Le'Veon Bell's holdout happen in 2018, and then COVID year they had the CBA negotiation. So this running back turmoil has been on the players' radar, at least to some extent, between now and then, how much blame goes on, if at any, the Players Association for where the running back market is right now? No blame. I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? I, I can make the argument that centers are underpaid. I can make the argument that the tight ends are are underpaid for their position. I mean, tight ends get tagged as tight ends, even though they're wide receivers half the time. Like, there's, I can make the case for a lot of positions that are underpaid. Um, the CBA is not really... Uh, it's intended to make the case for five players to get paid more money, right? I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. Five to seven running backs want to get paid more money. Um, what concessions are we giving 
key ownership for five players to get to get more money, right? And that's what it comes down to. You can make the case, though, that the rookie wage scale being implemented years ago has not helped at all, right? You can make the case that the franchise tag continues to be something that's, that's in our game, has hurt running backs, but specifically to just addressing their problems, nothing, nothing that NFLPA should do to change this. It's unfortunate they're at this position, um, but that's what it is. And again, it's just a handful of players. You want to do the rookie wage scale and you want to change all those things. Yeah, I agree with, with those decisions, but that obviously will help a lot of other positions. Uh, Jeff, what would you be thinking from a player's point of view if you put yourself in the shoes of Jonathan Taylor? And like you mentioned, Jim Mersey is very vocal. When you see the tweet saying, hey, we got a CBA, deal with it, running backs, when he's making comments of no one's going to miss Jonathan Taylor when he's out of the league, from a player's standpoint, what would you be thinking and what would be your reaction to all of that? If I was Jonathan Taylor or if I was in the locker room, both. No, if you're JT, if you're JT specifically. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I, I don't know what to tell a player, right? I mean, you, oh, you hold out. Well, then you miss a lot of money, right? And, and the question is if, if JT were to go to be a free agent, if um, Saquon Barkley was a free agent, would they get any money at all, right? I mean, sometimes the best situation is staying where you're at and having to suck it up. I, mean, I don't know what else to tell Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I don't want, you know, the on Delphi, he lost $15 million sitting out. I, I can't advise anyone to do that, right? So, um, I think you go and you try to get the best deal you can if, if they're even offering you one. If not, you have to just bet on yourself and play out this year and then go franchise. You know, go the franchise tag route. I don't know. There's no great. There's no great. You know, solution, grand solution to this. Like he has to just be able to to figure out a way to to stay healthy and, and play well and hopefully. You know, Ursay is just a lot of bluffing right now and ends up being, you know, being a guy that will pay Jonathan Taylor at some point. Jeff, it was reported that Jonathan Taylor had requested a trade and then Jim Ursay had told, I believe, it was Albert Breer via text that we're not trading him today, tomorrow, or October. He's going to be a Colt. If that's the path hard stance, they're not going to trade him. Is the, is the inevitable option for Jonathan Taylor going to be to show up like you mentioned week one and bet on himself or is there any other pathways out of this for him i mean i, I who's going to trade for him like that's part of it too yeah. right it's like i don't who's that team going to be who's looking at their situation right now and being like you know we need Jonathan taylor he's a difference maker to making us winning and losing and, and no offense to his ability it's really good obviously he's a great running back but who who looks at it needing to make that trade? You have to trade for him and then pay him, right? You have to trade for him. And then, so there's two aspects to trading for him. I think you just have to play, man. Like I I hate saying that because I wish that every player gets as much money as possible, but he has no leverage here. He really has none. Yeah, he's Jeff Schwartz, host at Fox Sports Radio and Sirius XM, joining us here on the Fan. I just find it interesting that NFL guys will request trades, and teams will just be like, no. <laughs> right like and it seems like yeah. nba teams buckling are like okay oh, okay shit. okay okay is that strange to you also man it's a, it's a much different league right i mean damian lillard is out there being like i'm being traded to one team that's it you have to trade me to one whole team and they're eventually will trade him to the miami heat and that'll be the end of it um nfl teams are like yeah i know we're not doing that i'd love for an nba team to tell a player like, even portland like yes yeah, sorry dame but they drafted his replacement, so it actually makes more sense to trade him than it does to keep him now. Um, but yeah, NFL teams are like, "Yeah, screw you, we're not trading you." Um, <laughs> but I think too. But I think too, like 
in the NBA, you know, uh, one you start five guys, right? One trade could be the difference. You know, Miami adds Dame Willard. That, that could take them from you know, Eastern Conference Finals to NBA champion, right? Mm-hmm. You really don't get that trade in the NFL unless it's a quarterback. And so, you know, again, let's look at the at the contenders in the in the you know Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, you know, Jaguars, Chargers. Who is trading for Jonathan Taylor? Mm-hmm. And that's the missing piece to their Super Bowl run. The answer is nobody, right? Nobody. You trade for Dame Lillard. There's seven teams in the NBA that you, you know you trade for him, and he's the missing piece in your in your championship run. So that's the big difference between both sports. Jeff, does it impact anything from a Colts perspective or from the locker room standpoint if Anthony Richardson as a rookie is your starter week one and your plans to have these two line up together and, and have a potentially high-powered offense if it develops the way you want to? Does this cause any ripples or effects on, on the young quarterback with all these negotiations going on in public? Um, Richardson, no. Um by the way, why why did he get no surgery like during training camp? I don't understand. Like that's an elective <laughs> surgery. Like I don't understand. Like, some of the stuff that makes no sense to me. You, you have whole off season. He's missing training camp practice to get an, an uh, to get an elective nose surgery done. Did he break his nose at camp yesterday that we know about? Like I don't. He's wearing a helmet, right? I think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. That to me is more detrimental than Jonathan Taylor not playing. Is him missing the camp to get an elective surgery? He could have done six weeks ago. Um, so no, I don't think. Look, obviously, you want to run game. You want to, you want that to be part of helping your quarterback. And the Colts have been very honest about what they expect from Richardson. You're one. I think it's a very healthy thing uh, to talk about what you expect. And, and I think they're not expecting him to be Patrick Mahomes, which is great, right? We're going to grow into the role. I think it'd be great having Taylor there. It would take a lot of pressure off Anthony Richardson. But maybe if Taylor's not there, this accelerates the growth process for Richardson. Hey, we're going to put more on your plate, buddy. You, you, you might start to sink early in your career, but hopefully this extra we give you elevates you late in your career. Um, but, yeah, I think they would love to have that combination in the backfield um, if possible. But I don't know if it changes much of what Richardson's path might be unless Taylor's out all season. By the way, Jeff, how have the bets been? Any ba- uh, baseball cash flowing in, or are you aching for football uh, season? I've been, no, I've, I've been off baseball. It's just so hard, man. Daily baseball's pretty bad uh we do have the hall of fame game and um that's thursday i'm interested i'm leaning i'm leaning jets i you, you i just actually got an email from my researcher at fox sports with all the coaching records in in the preseason the way you bet the preseason everyone is you bet on, on coaches you more often than not defensive coaches win win preseason games and they 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 win them by covering obviously as well because they like they care so much about wins and losses like playing every play to the death Offensive coaches are like, yeah, man, let's just get our work in and go home. For example, Brad, <laughs> I think they're playing, are playing Dorian Thompson Robinson the whole game. Like they're, they're not even playing Watson. They're not even playing their second string running the quarterback. They're like, whatever, man. The Jets are going to Robert Sala, defensive coach. They're going to go out and try to try to kick their butts. So I would I would take Jets <laughs> Jets in the, the game on Thursday. <laughs> Do you go game or first half on that game? Game. Okay. Yeah, full game. Yeah, because. Because, like, again, it's a whole thing. Like, the third stringers are like, oh, let's win one for coach. Like, they're like, so, you know, they're like, oh, no, no, defensive coach. Like, super into it, man. They tell me, look, look at the records, man. These defensive coaches, these non offensive coaches, John Harbaugh, like, they're, they win it. They cover a ton of games in the preseason. 
They do. I know the Ravens. I don't even know what their win streak is at right now. Twenty something. Like 20, 20, 20 something. But like Pete Carroll's been good. In it. Mike Zimmer was really good in the, in, in, um, in the uh, in the preseason as well. Like these defensive guys, man, they love it. Man, that's that's. Hey, man, we appreciate that nugget, Jeff. Good stuff, buddy. Yeah, I, I can email you the list over, buddy. Please, please do, because uh, okay. I'm not opposed to firing off, you know, random bets here and there. I know. <laughs> and we're back. We're back in like three weeks. I can't wait. I know, man. Looking forward to that, Jeff. Well, hey, yeah. man, thanks for hopping on today, All and right. uh, catch up with you soon, bud. Take care. Bye. There he is, Jeff Schwartz, host at Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM. Good stuff. You gonna start firing on defensive minded head so, coaches? Th- that's usually been my, not the defensive part, but like the more veteran coaching staff has usually been my play if I dabble in the preseason. But that's an interesting wrinkle about the defensive side of the ball. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take that into account. Uh, if you get that list, you don't mind forwarding it to me and Eddie. Yeah, I'd like to like to take a look at that. See what the see what the numbers say there. I will. I absolutely will. How about I gotta get to the non advice giver Eddie Garrison right around the corner? Okay. I, I got it's a story that needs to be. I'm going to do my Jim Irsay and just air this publicly. You know what I mean? It's a great idea. You should tweet it too. I think. Yeah, tweet it out there. Throw him under the bus, and then be like, "What's the big deal? Why are you mad at me? Huh? Goodness, I'm just saying things that are correct." Okay, we get to uh, airing laundry. That'll be fun. It's not throwing him under the bus at all. And then also one of the worst arguments of all time. On top of picks. We got all kinds of stuff to do. It is, uh, Brian, though, it is Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, I love a good, bad argument. This is a horrible argument by Titans running back Derrick Henry. I don't even think Seven Nation Army could dress this thing up, you know? <laughs> I like the beat in the background. Like, even if you let that roll, it still wouldn't help this argument. Check this out about running backs in general in the NFL not getting their true value financially. It's tough right now. Just want to do anything possible to help show our value, um, do it on the field. But definitely, you know, try to be together as a movement to improve the situation. Um, Because there's been times where running back sometimes touches the ball more than a quarterback. Have y'all witnessed it? I'm pretty sure y'all have. So, um, yeah, so just trying to show that we are valuable um, as any other position. Um, They use us in commercials and all over the place. And, you know, we just want our our share due. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So let's recap here, Jimmy. And I'm for running backs getting more money because the production, they should be getting more payment as well. Uh, but that, that's just a terrible argument. They touch the ball more than the quarterback? Like when? How often? How, how often do you see a running back with more carries than the quarterback has passing attempts? Very rarely. Tennessee. Okay, it might happen every now and then. As valuable as any other position. We had that on the list as well. Really? Really? Like, as quarterback, as edge rusher, as corner? Like, that's just not really... Oh, and we're in commercials, though, Jimmy. You, have, you see a running back in a Papa John's commercial? Yeah, we should be getting... What are we doing? That is one of the worst arguments I've ever heard. I mean, I also just, like, the commercial part I didn't need. Aside from the other, like, false statements there, I don't care. Like, that, that's great. 
Just because I see a running back in a commercial doesn't mean I'd be like, well, I need to pay that guy. I need to pay all <laughs> running backs as a whole. Because Hulu has live sports. <laughs> Saquon is in Hulu has live sports. Oh, You're there right you go. There you, you go. Uh, Hulu commercial, Saquon. That's why. Not only am I going to sign up for Hulu, but I'm going to pay Saquon Barkley now. <laughs> you just got to make good arguments. I always say the pay doesn't match the production. That should be the argument for running backs. And I love what Najee Harris said where he's like, we're valued everywhere but the negotiating table. That's a good argument. But, hey, have you seen a running back get more touches than a quarterback? Not often. No. Actually, no. (laughs) I haven't seen that very often, Derek. Uh, Okay, how about this? Before we get to your picks, Jimmy, my guy, Eddie Garrison, who I love, he left me hanging. He left me hanging yesterday. I was looking for some betting advice. I had a second leg of a parlay, Jimmy. I had the Orioles money line in the first five innings last night against the Yankees. Okay? But when it's the last leg of the parlay, you start thinking, oh, could it go wrong? What do you think? Should I let it ride or cash it out? And so I I tweeted him a screenshot so he knew it was the money line for the the Orioles in the first five. Mm -hmm. Eddie's response, I'd have to see pitching matchups. Like he doesn't have an app and a phone. I was out and about yesterday. I was busy. I didn't have time to know who was pitching. Didn't have time to look on his app for three seconds to see that Severino was pitching. I was like, I don't need Eddie's advice. Well, there's more than just going to matchups there. It's pitchers who are on the mound and Uh it's lineups. Oh, okay. Well, maybe if he's going to do a full deep dive, which I would... I appreciate that from Eddie Garrison. He was telling me nicely, I don't have time for you in my life, no, is what he was telling me. Luckily, I let it ride and it worked out, but I just thought the story was funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I would. I, I want to be on your side, but I might have not replied, which is worse. Really? So, oh, okay. Uninten- yeah, uh, completely like, like, like I, I would have seen it be like, oh, I need to look at that. I want to get better intel for him and then forgot about it altogether. Ah, uh, okay. So at least he gave you something. That should be the running joke is, uh, hey, man, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, I'd have to see uh, which wide receivers are healthy in this matchup. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything. All right, let's win you some cash. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. No bets today because I don't have enough time. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we're going to take the Tampa Bay race to win on the money line over the New York Yankees. We're also going to take the Cincinnati Reds on the money line in Chicago against the Cubs. Minus 142, plus 100 for both those bets. Give me the Marlins over the Phillies at minus 108. U.S. Women's National Team final group stage game at 3 a.m. against Portugal. Lay the one and a half on the spread for the U.S. Women's National Team. A little sneaky Marlins bet today, huh? Like the fence. All right. Hurry, Brian. We got 30. Uh, uh, It's time. For Eddie Garrison's locks du jour. Put all of your cash on these picks. You failed by not doing it last week. Here's your only chance to do it right here. Seven and two last week, taking the Astros minus one and a half, and I'm taking Tyler Glasnow over seven and a half case tonight against the Yankees. Astros and Glasnow. Okay, there it is, Indy. Make some cash. JMV up next. We'll catch you tomorrow.